Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go, and the show is brought to you by our good friends over there at the Canadian Brew House. Make sure you go check out all the action over there at the Brew House. Like... The Masters, you can watch Major League Baseball, you can watch World Men's Curling, and they're coming down the backstretch in NHL, Hockey, NBA, backstretch too as we head towards the playoffs, lots going on. Blue Jays baseball today, 6-3 victory over the Kansas City Royals, so they're now above level, they're 4-3. Masters going on, and last I saw Victor... Hovland had the lead at minus seven, tied with John Rahm. Brooks Kepka from Liv. He's also in the three-way tie. So the Liv golfer, one Liv golfer near the uh, top of the leaderboard, too, at uh, minus seven. Living like die. Now, 20 years ago, this weekend, 20 years ago, Mike Weir won the Masters. Oh, and so I he is playing. That. He shot an even... So an even round uh, through his um, first round. Uh, Corey Connors, the Canadian, who just won that uh, that tournament in Texas, uh, he is minus two through 13. The other Canadian's not faring so well. Neither is Tiger Woods. He is plus two. Uh, I think it looks pretty good on the radar uh, tomorrow, but Saturday looks like it'll be a washout. So we could see the th- this thing uh, spill over into Monday. Are you a big golf watcher? No, I not, can't, not a big fan of golf. I can't really get into the game of golf, or but I do watch it for the weather. Like you know, it gets me in the spirit with the still the uh, lingering effects of winter here. But I can't really watch golf either. It's not yeah. until the end. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do you like watching golf out there? Nine three six sixty two sixty two. The number to text. Brought to you by our friends at um, at the Capital Auto Mall. I I liken it to curling. Now curling's a little more exciting than golf. But yes, like, it? but you could start watching the Masters. Let's say in the first couple of holes, fall asleep on your couch. They give you a nice recap when you wake up on Father's on uh, Easter Sunday, and then you uh, see what happened. And generally, you can tune into the last two holes. Same with curling. You can watch the first two ends, and then you could tune in to watch Thomas Adine throw the spinner down the ice in the eighth or the ninth, and you didn't really miss anything. Yeah, I, wa- I watched that one shot from yesterday that everyone was excited about. Yeah, and, you know, and I can. I I can. I, I don't know. Exciting. I don't know anything about the sport. Okay, I'm not going to sit here yeah. and lie to you. Yeah. And, but I watched it and I thought, okay, that's pretty. That's cool. That's unconventional. It's kind of like remember when Sergio Garcia got in the tree to hit that ball out of the tree. Remember yeah. when he climbed the tree? Yeah, he climbed that, like Spider Man. That's, that's kind of the same thing. You don't really see a shot like that. So every once in a while, golf and curling give you those Sandra Schmirler moments. Uh, but I, I guess it's maybe because Zinger. I was just okay at baseball, and I was just I'm not great at golf. That I don't get into those games so much. Mm. I was pretty good at hockey. I was, I think, better at football. Just small in stature. You're into baseball. Come on, I am now. Yeah, only you watch be- Padres only every because night. the Padres are doing well. When they're not really that good, I don't really watch. I used to watch for Gwyn the odd time, but yeah, I do. I got all the games. I watch all the Padre games. I won't get tonight's game because I'm going to be going for dinner after. But I'll, I'll watch it. The beauty of your phone is you get it all the time. You just go click, 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 click. That's true, man. Uh, so anyway, uh, yesterday the big NHL game saw the Winnipeg Jets lay 
win egg on home ice, losing to the Calgary Flames 3-1. to one. The Flames still got to basically win out and hope the Jets stumble a bit. Jet, Jets got a couple of tough games. Though. I think they play the Wild and the Avs yet among their four games left. Uh, the uh, Flames have way more loser points, so they lose the tiebreaker, and uh, they may get into the playoffs. And how about Ryan Nugent Hopkins? He got an assist last night on an empty net goal. That's not the big deal. What's the big deal is he got 100 points. It's the first time since the 95 season when the Penguins had Lemieux, Yager, and Francis. First time since 95 that three players in the same team have 100 or more points. I thought they, that guy was supposed to fall off the... Well, I was. I, huh? I always liked Nudes, but I was always bitching that he was never a first overall pick. Like he was picked, I think in twenty eleven, if I'm not mistaken. But it wasn't that strong of a draft. Number one and number two, he really came into his own the last couple of years. It helps to play in a team with McDavid and Drysaddle. But he's got a hundred points now. Uh, McDavid's got one hundred and forty eight. Drysaddle's got one hundred and twenty three. And don't look now, but the Oilers could finish in first, and the Flames could finish in last for the last playoff spot. We get up a battle of Alberta in round one. I'm sick of this regular season when's the playoffs start like 15th enough of this we gotta hey we gotta start filling out our bracket here for uh, Keniston for $80,000 in prize money if If you want to know who to pick you just ask me yeah if we win Zinger and I I'm gonna open our envelope now if we win Zinger and I are uh, we don't even get to keep the money we're just giving it the charity charity of our choice I believe so Hmm. let's go I don't even know how we did in the regular season to be honest with you so Let's give it to the Multiple Sclerosis Foundation. If we can do that, I've got to confirm that. If we will do that, maybe half to that and half to diabetes. Yeah, I'm diabetic. Yeah, I'm diabetic. Okay, uh, uh, let's uh, get to other things. Last night, the Regina Pats again. They're up three to one. Oh man! In the third period, they got two goals in the first fifty-three seconds. They scored at the thirteen-second mark and the fifty-three-second mark. They got the blades on their heels, but cough it up and lackadaisical in their own zone, and they end up losing the game in overtime on a goal by Jake Chason. We're going to hear from Jake Chason in a minute, but first. Post game, let's hear from this guy who had two goals. He's got eight in the series. Eight goals in the series. We're only going into game five. That's Mr. Connor Bedard. Yeah, I mean, a couple two goal leads. Obviously, you can't let those go, but, uh, you know, they're a good team. They, they put the puck in the net, and, um, you know, can't change the pass, but can't blow, blow those leads when you're in the third, obviously. And uh, so we got to kind of learn from that. Did you feel tonight that you guys uh, were not able to generate as much offense uh, on the transition? You know, you guys didn't have as many uh, spot man rushes as you did as last night. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe off the rush, but I thought after the first, we had a lot on cycles, some good good opportunities. So it's just changing your game to uh, what they're doing, and um, you know, I thought we did, did a decent job there. We got some some uh, some chances. They probably probably had more ozone time, but uh, you know, that's, that's what they do. They, they're a puck possession team and stuff. So uh, we gotta you know kind of figure out what how how we're gonna create, and um, you know, I thought we changed decently today. You guys have done it twice this series so far. What's it take to win on the road in the playoffs? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's a rink. Uh, you're home, obviously, like being at home with, in front of your fans and everything. But but in the end, it's still it's still a game of hockey. Um, you know, we uh, obviously won there a couple times, and, and we're we're gonna try to do it do it again. But uh, we just gotta 
know, same focus as if we were playing here, just, uh, you know, see what we can do to beat them. All right, and let's hear from the guy who uh, got a shot off that I thought one of the few ones that Drew Sim could have stopped. Uh, Sim was very mad after the game almost broke a stick over the boards. Uh, Jake Chase on number 61 with the game winner. We knew that our homestand there in the first uh, opening two games well, wasn't good enough. It's just important for us to bounce back, uh, trust uh, the team that we are. Obviously, we've had lots of success in the regular season, and, and for us, it was just playing that way and, and coming into this building and, and making a statement as best we can. What's it like to be able to carry that momentum now back home? Yeah, obviously, it's crucial. This game in a series is, is pretty big. Obviously, the difference between 2-2 and 3-1 is, is substantial. So uh, for us to come away with this one, obviously, like you said, it's it's a riding the wave home. and. And for us, it's just about showing up Friday night uh, to have another good effort. What's going through your mind when the Pats score those two quick ones start third? Yeah, obviously there's um, there's a little bit of, I wouldn't say panic, just desperation kind of kicks in a little bit. You know that um, it's the most crucial 20 minutes of the season. So uh, for us, it was just important to stay uh, even keel as best we could. And and like we showed out there, we just kind of stuck to stuck to how we play, and, and it ultimately benefited us down the stretch. Just tell us about the game-winning goal. Yeah, um, obviously it was... Um, just, just a good job down low. We've been trying to work them down low uh, this series. Um, it's a strength of us to play in the offensive zone. So, uh, puck kind of squeaked out to me in the slot, and I was um, lucky enough to kind of walk in and, and pick my spot. So, it was a good one, and obviously uh, big for our team. Kind of lose control of yourself a little bit, to be honest. Uh, uh, sense of relief, uh, excitement, and uh, just ultimately the wins are so important down this uh, time of year. And, uh, nothing feels better than coming back into that locker room after a win. So uh, for me, it was just excitement and, and kind of uh, a go-ahead for Friday. Jake Chason, the winner for the Saskatoon Blades. It's a road show. Every team is one on the road. They go back for the game tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Once again, our pregame show starts at 6.10 right here on 6.20 CKRM. Hey, this guy wants to talk some hockey. It's uh, our good buddy John Schmidt. John, the Habs fan, as we like to say, and he's joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Now, John, John, you're a very passionate fan, and I know you're fired up. I would, because you sent me a message saying you wanted to talk hockey. I will caution you on this, John. I'm going to, I know you're fired up, and I love you, brother, but I have a tough time jumping on kids. Let's remember, they're not NHLers, they're kids. Okay, John? I'll preface that, but go ahead. What do you want to say? Well, you know, Ballsy, you're an Oiler fan, and uh, Drew Siv is the Jack Campbell of, of the WHL. Had a shirt went out and got a goalie. Okay, but let me stop you. If it wasn't for Drew Sim, not the word you used, we wouldn't even be in this spot at two games to two. He made 40. He's, he had a 920. He make the save when it matters. He should have stopped that overtime goal. Yeah, he should have. That was a bad one. And sometimes, you know, the overtime goal the game. going to cost us the series. The overtime goal the game before uh, hurt too. But also, Sposa was out there a long time. And uh, that allowed the uh, player Cedar off the cut to the net and slip it far side at him. I'm not saying he's been perfect. But going into last night's game, he had a 9-11 save percentage the blades are the the blades are the ones look at their goalie their starter got pulled the backups in there right now Baldy, when Terry Price played for the Tri-City Americans, he would have stopped that shot ten times out of ten. He'd have made that look like a routine save. Yeah, That's but you're co- hey, you're comparing you're comparing one of the greatest goalies ever to put on pads in hockey history but against Drew Sim. That that's like know, hey, John, that's like you comparing Michael Ball, who I think on my who I think and I'm biased. I think I do a pretty damn good job of Rough Rider play by play. But that's like yeah, com- you do. that's like comparing me to Dick Enberg. I'm not Dick Enberg. You can't compare Carey Price to Drew Sim. It ain't happening. 
No, but they both played in this league, and they were both yeah. supposedly starters, and that's what I'm saying. The yeah. difference is you got to get goaltending when it matters, and he is not bringing it, and he's going to cost the cost the series. I I, I can't I can't disagree. Yeah, I can't disagree with that statement that it could cost us the series, and also that you got to make this you, you got to make those big uh, saves, and that was a routine save. He's got to make that for sure. You think the series is done, John? Well, if they lose tomorrow, it's over. Uh, I, 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 here's how I see it going. I see the Pats losing tomorrow. I see the Pats coming back here and, and, and taking it to the Blades, actually getting a lead and holding it because Bedard's not going to let the Blades finish it off on home ice. Bedard is by far, the Pats have the better high end talent. The Blades have the better team. And then it's a coin flip in game seven and all the pressure would be on the Saskatoon Blades. I think this one's going seven. John, I'm against the clock. I love you, brother. I love your passion and thanks for listening to the show. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Take care. All right. When we come back, Cindy Fuchs from the Rough Riders Foundation to talk about the Grey Cup legacy that's been going on here and the money they've been giving out to the community. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. We're trying to get a hold of uh, Cindy Fuchs. Uh, from the Rough Rider Foundation. Lots of things we got to talk about as it relates to the Rough Riders. First off, I saw people like when I brought this up. <laughs> I said Kim Mitchell's the halftime show for the the uh, home opener against the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Some people are like, great for the 55 to 75 year olds uh, or 45 to 75 year olds. Not going to sell a ticket. What are they doing? Some people liked it. Listen. We're coming out of a pandemic. Did you think they were going to have Rihanna or Beyonce or somebody on the Nothing's stage? Nothing's ever good enough no, anymore. No. That's what I'm sick about. They Nothing's put, ever they good about. Can't they, we ever just like be happy yeah. about something? Yeah, they put. Can a, we? Even Zinger didn't really know who Kim Mitchell was, and then he looked up a couple songs. He's like, "Well, yeah, I listened to a, some last night. I was like, okay, it's, let's go. It's not over. It's not my cup. Oh, we're gonna go. Yeah, it's not overly my cup of tea." He said, but he looked into it, and I was like, "Yeah, no, that's he's gonna be decent. So let's uh, let's go with it here." Riders trying to get the fans uh, back into it here, and uh, that'll be one of the ways. He's a great artist, and in radio a little bit too. Is she there? Yeah. Let's go to the phone line. Say hi to Cindy Fuchs. Cindy Fuchs, your favorite. Kim Mitchell song. What is it? Is it Patio Lanterns? Is it I Am a Wild Party? Is it Rock and Roll Duty? What is it? I'm going to say I Am a Wild Party. Yeah, it will be a wild party. Yeah, I, I, like love, that one. I, I love that. <laughs> Halftime show. That's going to be great uh, for the Father's Day weekend when the Bombers come to town. Um, that is awesome. We also have to point something out here before we talk about the the Grey Cup legacy and, and what it's left. Uh, we always do Chase the Ace on Fridays. We are still going to be All doing right. Chase the Ace, but it will be not on the air, radio airwaves as it is Good Friday tomorrow. So we have a best of show on the radio airwaves, but you guys will still be doing the draw live online from the stadium, right? That's right. We'll be doing it at the stadium. It'll be live online, Facebook Live. Awesome. So Good. Check it out. Someone's still going to win money. Yeah, somebody's going to win that daily prize, and then you have a chance to try to get that Ace of uh, Spades, which is the Braden Lennius card. And if you do, you'll win, uh, in addition to the daily prize, a jackpot that's over uh, 10000 bucks. Okay, Cindy, uh, let us talk about uh, the, the great thing about the Rough Riders and with this foundation is we give money back to the community, and uh, you got players out in the community with your mental wellness and bullying and all that type of thing. Uh, but the the Grey Cup, 
hosting the Grey Cup. The Rough Riders are more than just a team. The CFL is more than just a league. It is a grassroots league, and it gives back to the grassroots. Tell us uh, what the Grey Cup legacy uh, and the announcement this week, what we've done. Yeah, so the Grey Cup legacy was fantastic because it was actually thanks to a lot of people buying 50-50 tickets. And then ISC was a sponsor 50-50, so it helped us actually grow the pot. If you were at the game, you saw the pot clicking up. All we were thinking about is how much money is going back to the community from that pot. So this week, we made an announcement that there was a grant program. So just over $265,000 was granted out to nine different community groups that work with youth in our province. Um, also with mental and physical health. So great bro- great projects, a lot of applications, but we could only pick a few, and we, we gave that money out this week. Yeah, lots to the Indigenous community, lots to do, you know, something to do with addictions. You had it to spread out the PA for a youth baseball facility, Saskatoon, someone Regina. So really covered the, the gamut as far as the province goes, and that's what the Rough Riders and that logo is about. That's right. Well, we're a provincial team, and so provincial foundation so we wanted to make sure that we actually didn't ignore anybody outside of Regina so we actually uh, did some really good picking um, and we got some projects that are absolutely essential to the well-being of youth. Yeah it's outstanding and of course speaking of youth I haven't talked to you about this but that was a great first hockey game uh, plans in the works for a second one raised 25000 for kids sport. Absolutely, we're going to do it again. We'll be back in Saskatoon. Um, date is just to be confirmed, but it'll be next winter. And uh, we had a lot of fun, and the fans that were there loved the riders being in my, Saskatoon as well as some alumni. My son uh, was uh, in town, so I couldn't make it. But uh, next year, I'm going to put it on my radar, make sure I, I got skates and uh, gloves and a, and a stick, but I'm going to get the rest of the equipment. And then I'm going to get out there and show them how to really play hockey. That'd be awesome because it was actually a really competitive game, Michael. So you might want to start practicing now. No, 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 no. I uh, listen. I, you're not. You don't understand. Like I was going to the NHL, but I got banned for my backhanded slap shot. It was unbelievable. Hundred, hundred, oh. hundred mile an hour backhanded slap shot. Like I was the backhanded Al McKinnis. So you, uh, you don't understand. I might actually break the boards at that new rink in Saskatoon. So I don't know if you want me there, but uh, I'll come anyway, and uh, at the very least, sit on the bench. Hey, uh, Cindy, once again. That is for a great cause. Once again, give them a shout out where they can get their Chase the Ace tickets for tomorrow's online draw on Facebook Live. Yeah, so uh, Riderville Backslash Foundation, and you can click buy now. And Cindy Fuchs and Kim Mitchell, they're a wild party, and we're all going to be partying uh, at the home opener when the Rough Riders take on the Blue Bombers at halftime. Thanks for your time, Cindy. Thanks, can't wait. Yeah, happy Easter. It's great talking to her once again. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage and our health and lifestyle expert with some really good tips on how to get around those beady little eyes looking at you at the gym. This is the Sports Cage for the uh, Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. 331 with the sports ticker for the Keniston Super Draft. There's $80,000 in prize money to be won during the NHL playoffs in this year's Keniston Super Draft. We're going to talk more about it here in just a few short minutes. The Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Kansas City Royals today. Well, now it's a final. The Blue Jays beat the Royals 6-3, to the final score at Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. Kevin Gosman with a nice outing on the hill. Went six innings strong, struck out seven, only allowing four hits in the 
big dub for Kevin Gosman. Vladdy Grail Jr. had his second home run of the year. He went three for five with an RBI, two runs scored. So the Toronto Blue Jays, they now head out to the West Coast. They will take on the Los Angeles Angels for a three-game set over the weekend in Anaheim. It's time to pump you up. Get the latest in fitness and lifestyle tips with one of Canada's top fitness trainers, Tish Duffy. This is Train with Tish on the Sports Cage. All right, we're loving this feature every Thursday with Tish Duffy. Tish, I always follow you on social media, so I get some good tips on what I can talk to you about. You can check her out at Train with Tish, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Now, Tish... This is a big thing for everybody, and generally it starts in the new year. They get their New Year's resolution, they're going to go to the gym, but people get intimidated, especially if they're newbies to the gym. Talk about three ways people can overcome what I think sometimes is a false intimidation factor. Yeah, absolutely. I get this a lot from people. They they want to get working out. They know it's important, but the idea of stepping into a gym with all the fit bodies is a little intimidating. So I always say, first of all, when you walk into the gym, no one's paying attention. So that's the the biggest thing you need to know is no one cares about the fact that you're just starting out. They won't notice. They're too involved in themselves, typically, and what they're doing. So a lot of people only have an hour or two a week to work out, so they're focusing on themselves. So the fact that you can walk in and know that probably no one is even paying any attention will help that. Number two. Um, there's tons of like, I call them weight room consults or trainers that they're usually, um, you know, in the middle of their education or training and they're not quite a personal trainer yet, but they're walking around cleaning machines. Those people's jobs are also there to help you um, kind of get comfortable with equipment. And even sometimes I'll walk into the gym even after, you know, gosh, 30 years of doing this, I'll look at a piece of equipment and I'll have absolutely no idea how to use it. So I just walk up to the desk, ask the consultant there sitting at the desk what how to do this, and they're always so friendly, more than happy to help you. So um, those those guys are usually um, you know training to be trainers, so they're eager to help. So uh, the confidence in knowing people are there to help you will also be uh, something that will uh, kind of take that uh, intimidation factor away. And then the third thing is is music. I like to put my earbuds in. Um, play a really good uh, playlist is kind of get me motivated, and uh, that 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 like little positive mindset of just listening to some good music will help you kind of overcome some of those fears in the weight room as well. Some great tips from Tish. It's Train with Tish. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage right here on the Mighty Six Twenty CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Michael Ball here along with Sean Kleisinger. Our show is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on this Thursday. All our guests come to you via the Capital Auto Group. You can text us 936-6262. Pardon me, that's our text line. Our hotline is the Western Pizza Hotline. And uh, we're going to quickly head out on the Western Pizza Hotline before Zinger and I dive into this Keniston Super Draft 2023 edition. we got to pick 32 players, Zinger. I don't know that we'll do all 32 but we'll get into it. You're not much of a hockey guy, but you know enough about it. Uh, but first, let us head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. So let's wait. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, pandemic. Frank Fiaco of the Lonsdale Boxing Club here. Frank, how many How many do we have here of these uh, Battle of the Prairies, which goes again uh, coming up next Friday? 
17, my friends. Wow, that's crazy, man. Tell us about the event. What's going to be happening that night for people that haven't gone? Why should they go? Well, you know, we still got a couple of tables left, so there's a great meal at uh, Connexus. After the meal, there's 11 good boxing matches. So you're pretty much getting about five hours of entertainment, and then uh, you can get your uh, company name in the program, a little bit of free advertising out there for you, and it's going to be entertaining. Or we just have the... Um, Tickets for the audience that can be bought at Connexus as well. But we're featuring different uh, boxing clubs within Saskatchewan and Western Canada. So these are some of them are been around for a while. They're open boxers doing really well. And we have uh, an opportunity to uh, feature our boxers that are uh, a little bit younger, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old and see what they can do. Frank's done a great job over at the Lonsdale Boxing Club uh, through the pandemic, making sure uh, that people are, uh, you know, keeping their physical and mental spirits up. Uh, and this is big for your club in terms of the the growth and health of your club. The pandemic was tough on everybody. You guys got through it, thankfully. Uh, you're, you're just into a, a good building over there to help you expand your business. Just to tell us how important this fundraiser is for you guys. Well, this fundraiser helps us keep our prices down. So our, our prices are reasonable. Like 11 to 17-year-old kids, it's only $70 a month for them to train three nights a week, and that's with coaches helping them out. You can't really get that anywhere. And we got a lot of families that come. So we don't want to out- overprice stuff, and then all of a sudden these families can't afford to have their kids in something. So we want to make sure that uh, these kids have something to do. And like you said, you you need physical activity for your mental health. You can't be just sitting at home and just stewing about stuff. So this helps us keep the cost down. As you're well aware, the uh, cost to keep a building going isn't cheap. No, for sure. So once again, Frank, if they want to be a part of this next Friday, they can get a table or they can get uh, tickets in the crowd. How do they get more information, my friend? I'll give you my cell number. It's 306-539-8478, and we can get you all hooked up. And don't text any naughty pictures to that number, right? That's right. My wife will see them. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Frank. Thanks for having me on. That's right. Next Friday, I'll be in the ring doing that to MCing for the uh, big event, 17th annual uh, Lonsdale Boxing Club Battle of the Prairies. And he told me, Zinger, that it is. Uh, he's added extra pyro, so I have to stand in the middle of the ring, not by the side, or I could I could have a Michael so Jackson you're ring announcing. Yeah, that's what I meant. I'm the well MC ring announcer. Yeah, not not quite as good as you, but oh. That's awesome. I know you're you feel offended that you're not doing it, but what's going on? I'm doing I'm, I'm doing it for free. No, so, yeah. so, so, so I don't I retired. I retired. I don't do it anymore. The last time I Go did Go ahead, it, give us a welcome to the Battle of the Prairie seventeen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Battle of the Prairies number seventeen here in Regina, Saskatchewan. The Connexus Art Center. At the Connexus Art Center. Okay, so this is what I'll sound like. Hi, welcome <laughs> to the Connexus Art Center. Anyway. <laughs> So let's get to it here, Zinger. It is the 2023. I want Connor McDavid. Okay, wait, yeah, yeah. Just wait a 36. second. Wait a second. We're going to win 80 grand. 2023 Keniston Super Draft. $80,000 on the line. The most popular Super Draft and Super 8. There you can, First place gets 20000 Second place, 10000 3000 5000 and a bunch of other uh, monetary wins. It, all the way down to 200th place, 50 bucks. Now, if Zinger and I win, we'll give our money to charity. Okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to give our money to... We'll split our cash for MS... 
the Canadian diabetes. I'm going to go Canadian juvenile diabetes. All right. Okay, because I need to get ahead of it early. Entry deadline is Friday, April 14th, 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. So that would be 10 o'clock our time at night. Superdraft.com is the website to go to, okay? Now, you get... We get to pick 32 players whose points totals you feel will be the highest in the 2023 playoffs. If players you wish to select do not appear in the entry form, you may write in their names in the space provided below. Okay? Accumulated point total of top 30 will be your score. So you get the pick 32, but they'll give you the top 30. Okay? So Zinger, 32 players. I have already picked nine. Okay? Because I'm going with, are we in agreement here? Are we in agreement here? Oilers, Colorado, New York Rangers, Boston Bruins is our final four. Yeah, I think that sounds pretty good. The only other one I might throw in there would be the Devils, but I'm going to go... Carolina, maybe? Yeah, Carolina could be too. So, but that's that's my four, okay? All and right. I might take one or two teams, like you said, that could be something different, okay? So here we go. I've got Dreisaitl, McDavid, Hyman, Kane, and Nugent Hopkins, who just got his 100th point. Five Oilers. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was thinking Nurse, but and they don't have Yam, They don't have uh, Bouchard. He could be a guy I might write in. I'm not going to pick all 32, folks, so don't worry about it. Um, then I've got from the Colorado Avalanche, Miko Rantanen, Kale McCarr, obviously, Nathan McKinnis, uh, McKinnon, obviously, and and Byram, Bo Byram, their defenseman. I, I, I'm trying to see who else should I take from like Nakushkin or Arturi Lekkinen. I can't remember. Like I don't, I'm watching football and everything. Is Lekkinen the guy that's been hurt, or is it uh, Rantanen the guy that's been hurt? Can you look that up for me? I'll look that up right because now. there's a guy that's been out for a while. Then I've got the New York Rangers. I'm going to go with Patty Kane. So that takes me up to uh, 10. I'm going to go Vlad Tarasenko. Those are two trades they made. I'll go with Chris Kreider. That gets me to 12. It's Lekkonen. Lekkonen's been hurt? Yeah. Arturi Lekkonen. Okay, then I'm not going to worry about that. Uh, I haven't put him down. Uh, So I got Kane. Broke his finger, apparently. Kane, Kreider, and Tarasenko. Uh, And I'm probably going to put Panarin. So that gets me four Rangers. That gets me to 13. Okay, so let's go over here to the Boston Bruins. I feel like I feel I feel like the Bruins are going to win the cup, don't you? I feel like the way that people win this thing, no, I don't know anything about it. But I feel like the way that people win this thing is they take a team that is not going to you know, on paper, look like they're going to advance very far, and they end up doing so. So, for example, so what pick if, one. What if you picked like a team like uh, the Calgary Flames? Or, nah, they're not. Or, might not even make the playoffs. Winnipeg Jets. I'm just giving you examples. You know, like what's a team out there that uh, like Dallas Stars, L.A. Kings? You know. I'll probably go with... Like throw uh, in like a half dozen L.A. Kings in the donut box, please. Okay, so just wait a minute here. Let's Something just go like with, that. Okay, so Oilers, Colorado. We got four Rangers. Let's go look at the Bruins first, okay? All right. You're going to go with uh, <clears throat> Jake DeBrusque. We're going to go with... Uh, what the hell's his name? Brad Marchand. Yeah, we're going with that guy who licks people's faces. Yeah. We're going to go with Pasternak because he can score goals. We're gonna go with uh, Taylor Hall, uh, Taylor Hall, 
Taylor Hall, maybe? And uh, do we go with Patty Bergeron? Yeah, why not? Probably Patty Bergeron. One, two, three, four. Charlie Coyle's on the back end, too. He's a good one. Charlie McAvoy. I'll wait on D-men. So that gets me one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is great radio, folks. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I'm halfway home on on four teams. Now, let's go with a team that we... Th- let's get the people to weigh in here, okay? Yeah, we, we want, come on. We want to throw in a couple of other ones. Should we throw in Carolina? Should we throw in the, the Kings or the Knights? Carolina, the Kings or the Knights, or... The Carolina, the Kings or the Knights, or another Minnesota one? Minnesota Wild. Minnesota or Jersey. Those are the other four I'd be considering. I want Chandler Stevenson for the Vegas Golden Knights. You do? You want to take him? That's I, your one I, pick. I want him. Yeah, but he hasn't scored. He scored two goals the last 35 games. Yeah, well, playoffs is a new year. You're not going to win by picking all the obvious players. You think that's how people win 80 grand? Come we can, on. We can only win 20 if we win it all. Well, still. You know what I mean? Oh, we got we could pick. Oh, there's so much. There's a super eight. Pick. Sam Steele for the from the Minnesota Wild. You got to give me at least one. Okay, Cats so let, okay, hold on, hold on. I'll I'll continue to fill this out. But here, there's another one here. You can win this way too. There's a super eight draw. Select two NHL players from each of the four boxes for a total of eight players. Any number of super eight game entries may be uh, played for a fee of $10 each. So we get to do this for free. So let's go. We get to take two players out of this box. Listen carefully. Okay. Ajo of the Panther, of the uh, Canes. Dreisaitl, Eichel, Kaprizov, Kucherov, McKinnon, Matthews, Panarin, Pasternick, Jason Robertson, Dallas, Aho and McKinnon. That's what you want. I get. You're going to pick one. You're going to take McKinnon, okay? And I am going to take. You want to take Aho over Drysaddle? No, Leon. Leon scored 17 points on one leg, dude. Who knows if the Oilers get bounced? They're not huh? Gonna get bounced. Be have confidence in my team. Yeah. Well. Next box: Crosby, Fiala from the uh, from the Kings, Hughes. Hyman, Marner, Pavelski, Braden Point, the good Moose Jaw Warrior, Miko Rantanen, Chandler Stevenson, Mika Zabanajad. I think this is John the Habs fan. John, who should I pick? Well, why would you take New Jersey if they're going to play the Rangers? You're going against yourself. You're yeah. going to lose somebody. Yeah. Well, we're having a, trying to have a backup. Never mind, John. Just jump in here. You're a big <laughs> hockey guy. Hurry up. You know what, John? We're going to table this. We're going to have you back a little later in the show, maybe, okay? Because I got another guest I got to get to. But quickly, help me pick two out of this box Crosby, Fiala, Hughes, Hyman, Marner, Pavelski, Point. Rantanen, Chandler Stevenson, Mika Zabanajad. You go with Fiala. Yeah. He's their leading scorer. Yeah. And take Braden Point to Tampa. You think Tampa's going to go for a bit? They're going to beat Toronto. Okay, man. Good. All right, John. Thanks, man. We got to roll. Take care, bud. Yep. Bye-bye. Hey, Willie O'Ree. One of the great uh, heroes in the NHL, Trailblazer. They've got the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award coming up. We got the finalists, Derek Klein from Shellbrook, CEO of Big River First Nation, joins us next here on the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. 
This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. NHL announcing their Willie O'Ree Community Hero Awards, and this guy's in the running, and you can go to the NHL website and vote. Uh, Derek Klein, CEO of Big River First Nation, uh, joining us. It's a Cree Nation located 120 kilometers northwest of Prince Albert. Hi, Derek. How are you, my friend? I'm well, Michael. How are you doing today? Good, buddy. So tell me this. How how proud are you of uh, this honor, even to this point, being nominated? I'm very excited and proud. I'm even more prouder for the community to uh, spotlight what some great things we have going on in the nation. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing experience. The last two days, two or three days, has been wonderful. You have been uh, tirelessly working for almost three decades to promote and grow the game of hockey on the reservation by increasing support and funding for all Big River youth. Um, you know, I, I would say why is that important to you, but... But what are you most proud of in that aspect? That's a better way to ask it. I'm the most proud of when I walk in that arena and see the smile on the children's faces and the parents and, and what we've came from for the last 25 years since I've been out there uh, from an old, rickety, condemned old arena to now to one of the nicest sports facilities in northern Saskatchewan. Uh, and like I said, it's just such a humbling feeling to uh, to have a center with a, with a school and arena and with so many other attributes of um, of different things for the kids to do on the reservation and it's really shown here in regards to the attendance in school and also uh, also all the sports culture recreation we can offer the members and the children of the reservation it's outstanding man yeah it's a 42 million dollar uh, jim nielsen sports complex where did the vision come from uh you know you were part of it but uh, like where did that vision come from well, the vision came was when we were going to get a new new school from grade 7 to 12, we wanted something to entice the kids to come to school. We brand ourselves in education. We know education is our white buffalo, and basically that's the best way to, to get out into the into the world is, is getting educated. So we wanted to bring a sports complex into the school so it could give us something for the kids to do rather than just doing school. As uh, as we know, we have a 17-year-old, 17-year-old veteran, Jim Nielsen, from the community, uh, spent 14 years with the Rangers, uh, mm-hmm. then one year in California and one year in Cleveland. So we wanted to pay homage to him in regards to what we can do. So we decided to, when we built the school, we decided to attach a, a hockey arena on there that could be used basically 12 months of the year where the children can skate uh, uh, during school hours, minor hockey. And since that, the last two years, we've built up our program where we have 12 minor hockey teams on the reservation. We have seven boys and five girls teams we've we've got that reno opened up in uh september the 6th with the sastoon blades and the prince alba raiders who are two great partners of us mm-hmm. and from that we built the third artificial soccer turf in the province there's one in saskatoon one in regina with four lacrosse fields a running track a soccer field a ball diamond and biggest thing a cultural youth power center so when the kids come to school there's something for everybody uh, since we've started that, Michael, our enrollments went up about 80 or 90 kids. We've had a lot of influx of kids from the from the urban areas coming back to the community because they're saying there's more opportunity now on the reservation than there is in some of the major cities just because of all the barriers of cost, equipment, and things like that. So, no, it's it's wonderful, Mike, when you walk in there and you see the kids skating from 8 a.m. till 4, and then 4 o'clock minor hawk kicks in every night till about 9, 30, 10. 
Man, that is outstanding. That, that puts a smile on my face. How much did sports, Derek, help you out? You talk about sports being impactful for Indigenous, not just Indigenous, anybody. Sports teaches you so much about life, the game of life. Life is a game, so to speak. But how much did it help Derek Klein? Uh, it helped me through all my, my parents. My parents were really into sports and that, and my brother and I would get picked up since we're two or three years old and go to ball, go to ball games and go to hockey games. Played hockey right through, played a little bit of junior hockey, then into some senior hockey till probably I was 37 years old. And uh, sports is the, the main thing that got me through school, through university. And then just an opportunity. I was able to have the opportunity because my, my parents made it a priority. And unfortunately, some of the parents out here, because of barriers, don't have that. So it's it's my job and our job to find opportunities for every child to take part. And because of that, that makes, you know, sports makes perseverance and it makes leadership. It makes discipline. It's so many good things. Teamwork, like sports and, and education, those two are the things that going to get you out of the reservation into the workforce and into a better life and family. Well, I'm glad there's an area like that. Like, you're right. School and getting an education is the most important thing. And, you know, I had the riders on here earlier talking about kids' sport, and kids' sport supports kids that can't, you know, have financial barriers and can't get in uh, to the sport. I'll tell you what, or to a various sport uh, sports. I remember playing my first contact hockey tournament. We got to the final. I was in Fort Capel. We were playing a team from Less Stock. That was the first time I really had taken on Indigenous athletes. Man, there are a lot of great Indigenous athletes out there. There, there sure is, Mike. A lot of times, just not opportunity. But you know what? Now, the Jim Nielsen Complex is given opportunity not just to our nation, but the other nations around that don't have facilities, and also to other smaller towns that don't have facilities. So we're we're hoping to everybody. We're not just just our nation. You know, whether the kid is from a small town farming community or from another nation, our arms are open for them to come to play in, in Big River. Uh, our partners in, in there are unbelievable. We have the partners for the complex, the, the provincial government, uh, hats off the Premier Moulton, Saskatchewan government, uh, the federal government, uh, the Prince Albert Raiders and Saskatoon Blades are huge partners of us. And, of course, the New York Rangers, uh, where Adam Graves, uh, NHL alumni, uh, NHL great, uh, has done a lot in regards to to putting some uh, funds and, and making the Rangers a big partner in our community because of Jimmy and you know, partnerships is what it makes it. You know, we leveraged all those partnerships, and because of that, that's why we have such a beautiful complex on the reservation. This is Derek Klein, man, doing great work uh, in uh, from Shellbrook, CEO of Big River First Nation. He's up for the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award, and you can vote right now. And the voting ends uh, April the 16th at 11 o'clock our time in the morning. Go to NHL.com backslash O'Ree Award, and you'll be able to vote there. Thanks for your time, man. Happy Easter. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Michael. Thanks to all listeners. Have a good day. Bye. Take care. That's Derek Klein. Thanks to him for joining us. We haven't forgot. It's the fifth year anniversary of that terrible Humboldt bus crash. We'll talk about that and many, many other things here on the Sports Cage brought to you by the Canadian Brew House here on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. Uh, I hate the time zones. 
So normally, like when we're on same time as Winnipeg, I don't know. I thought Winnipeg's on Central Standard Time, but are they on Daylight Central Standard Time? Because normally Alberta's on Mountain Time, and now we're on Alberta Time, so we're Mountain Time. Like Alberta moves up to us, and Winnipeg moves away from us, Manitoba. So I had said the deadline for the Super Draft was 11 Central Time, which is 10 our time, but no, it's 11 p.m. our time because apparently we're on Central Standard Time because we don't move. Like we're the smart ones in the entire country, and Manitoba. Picks on Central Time, but they're on they're on CDT Central Daylight yeah, which yeah. is one hour different. So yeah, that's they're one I, hour ahead of yeah, Toronto. Yeah, anyway, whatever. I, I, it's, you're confusing the listeners. Well, I'm confused. You know what? Why doesn't everybody just get to what Saskatchewan does and stay? Why are we changing the times? Don't change the time. Don't change Leave the it. times. Leave it. The crops are going to burn with more sunlight. The crops are going to burn. Got to get the kids on the bus an hour early. Come on. You're screwing me up. Anyway, um, the uh, portion we're talking about here now on this Thursday brought to you by the Canadian Brew House is for smart investing solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Arash Madani joins us. Don't you agree? We should just all... Well, that was such a great airing of grievances right there. (laughs) I I felt like it was Christmas Eve almost with George Costanza. Well, come on. (laughs) What are we doing here? Like, we're now Ballsy's wrong. Ballsy was wrong. He told the time wrong. (laughs) Zingers chiming in and his first world problems. Compared to what's going Going on with the world, uh, when we can argue about daylight savings, we time, got it tough. We'll, we got it tough, yeah. and we'll take that every day of the week. He's complaining about the quality of cherry on top of his ice cream sundae. Yeah, it's a good. tough Thursday out there, guys. <laughs> okay, so I uh, Zinger and I talked about this early. I'll check out the Masters, like I check out early season baseball. A little more so for baseball because I'm a Padres fan. They're doing sure. semi well, but generally I don't. But I watch early baseball because of the weather and it's cold still here and the snow's not gone. Same reason I check out the Masters. But I've never been to the Masters live. People say when you get there, it really pops. You've been to a couple. What's it like? It's honestly amazing. Like, And I mean this sincerely. Like, If you're a sports fan, you have a bucket list, Augusta National should be on it. And and this is me as a, like, we never talk about golf, right? Because yeah. I never watch golf other than the four days around the Masters. It's it's just one of those events. And I've been very lucky. I've got to cover a couple of them. And I would would just say this to anybody kind of listening. If you've ever thought about, man, how cool would it be to go? Yes, it is. It is. But the one thing I would say is that if you have the opportunity, it's actually better going on a practice round day Mm-hmm. on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, Wednesday with a par three, than it is when the tournament actually starts on a day like today and then into the weekend because dudes are just so much more relaxed on a practice round. And I was on some fairway, I don't know, on 13 or 14 or something. And one of the golfers was right along the edge of the fairway, and he and his caddy were talking, and they you know, they dropped a ball on a practice round day, and they, they swung a seven iron. 
And then they talked again, and they dropped another ball, and they, they, they fired an eight-iron. And both of them went into the trap, and then they, they looked at the gallery, the patrons, as they say at Augusta National Ballsy, mm-hmm. and they said, and they said, no, what do you think I should do? Because whatever we've come up with isn't working. Like, it's that kind of vibe on a practice round day. So uh, you don't get that, obviously, on a tournament day. So it's, it's really a slice of sports fandom heaven. Yeah. If you get inside the gates of Augusta National. So, uh, an interesting twist, uh, twist here at Augusta. We've got the PGA against live golfers. And Brooks Kepka is tied for first, one of the live golfers. Mm-hmm. We've got Hovland and Rom, who are PGA players. So that's an interesting twist this year. And it's the 20th anniversary of Mike Weir winning the green jacket. Yeah, like you think back, it's 25, 26 years since Tiger won his first one. And Mike Weir winning in 2003. And if you're old enough to remember that, if you're old enough to remember where you were that Sunday watching, like, again, Ballsy, you and I are not golf fans, right? No. But it just felt like the entire country kind of rallied around their televisions that day, back before social media, back before really there were a ton of options. I think we were still in the dial-up internet era. Yeah, that's true. That's right. And it was at it was at a time where appointment TV was still appointment TV, and people would pick up the phone and call their friend or their relative or whatever. And Mike Weir made one clutch putt after one clutch putt, and he showed up on like the Tuesday or Wednesday after winning it all, winning the green jacket, and he showed up at the at that the building then called the Air Canada Center, now Scotiabank Arena, for a Leaf game to drop the ceremonial first puck and that building roared and it shook like it did during the nba finals like when when mike weir won the masters 20 years ago this weekend it was one of the iconic canadian sports moments and if you're old enough to like like i'm in my early 40s if you're old enough to remember where you were how that weekend went it was it was really really cool so Jack Nicholas, towards the end, he knew he didn't want to embarrass himself, I don't think, so he didn't play in too many of these. Tiger was a plus two. Mike Weir actually was even on his round, which is respectable. Um, um, I wonder if Tiger will go the way of Jack Nicholas and gen- just eventually, like, he won't fade away because he is golf still, even though right. he's not at the top of the thing. But you know what I mean? Maybe he'll take a step back like Nicholas did. Yeah, I don't know. I. I, I wonder about guys. I wonder about guys like Tiger. I wonder about guys like Michael Jordan. I wonder about dudes like Derek Jeter, who were who were so in the spotlight, and then can they give it up? Um, they're you know they'll do different things in the business world, et cetera. But <laughs> you know, I, I remember the story Michael Jordan once told about. Uh, sorry, Tiger Woods once told about Jordan. He said, you know, we're out golfing at some Nike excursion, and, and Jordan's looking over at Tiger, and he's like, hey, I'll bet you a 1000 bucks on this hole. And Tiger looked at him and he said, Mike, I'm Tiger bleeping woods. <laughs> like, you're not going to win. Like, for some of these guys, like, the competitive factor never goes away. Yeah. And sometimes the body, you know, like, look, for Tiger, it's the body. The body is just broken down on him. But then he thinks, you think back to 2018, 2019, yeah. he had four magical days at Augusta National, and I just wonder how much that drug 
keeps him going, Baldy. we got about 90 seconds left. I want a quick, uh, you're my tour guide here for sports fans listening. Give me a couple of bucket experiences they need besides maybe Augusta. Uh, Augusta's a great one. Uh, if, uh, i tell you what, the guy on the other side of the glass of you, uh, Sean Kleisinger, went to the World Baseball Classic. That was very unique. Mm-hmm. If you ever get a chance to go to Wimbledon, the one thing I will say about Augusta National and Wimbledon, everybody there today, tomorrow, the next day and on Sunday, you go to any of those events, everybody inside the grounds is literally having the best day of their life. That's that's the moment, that's the place, that's the thing they've so long wanted to get to, they've so long wanted to see. So if, if you're... And then the one other one, and it probably isn't on anyone's radar, and it's so hard to get to, especially because the Summer Olympics are every four years. One of the coolest events I've ever experienced is the finals of the 4x100-meter track relay, mm. especially because Usain Bolt was a video game character. But that's another one that's really, really unique, really, really cool, really, really neat. Uh what happened five years ago today is part of uh, Canadian history, but to, to uh, centralize it, part of Saskatchewan history. I found it ironic yesterday that the Humboldt Broncos extended their series to make it three games to one for the uh, Flynn Flon Bombers. That was what it was, 3-1 for Nipwin, and the Humboldt Broncos were traveling to Nipwin to force a game number six when that terrible bus tragedy happened, uh, killing 16. I know they had about 4.50. They're going to have a moment of silence and then uh, have some bells tolling there in the community of Humboldt. Lastly to you, Arash, Madani, uh, what do you remember about that day? Well, what I remember is just how it connected with so many Canadians, Balsy, and how shocking it was and how hurtful it was because we've all been on that bus. Mm -hmm. If you were in a band, if you were in a choir, if you were on the gymnastics team, if you were on a hockey team, if you were a player, if you were a trainer, if you were a coach, if you were a broadcaster, an aspiring broadcaster, like, like you and I once were once upon a time. We've been on school trips. We've all been on that bus. And that's why I think it connected with so many people is because... I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but because we've all been on that bus. And when you've been on the bus, it becomes so relatable that it has nothing to do with hockey and it has nothing to do with the details of the accident. It has to do with that. That's who we are. Mm-hmm. And it's it was just part of everyday life. Yeah. Until it wasn't. Yeah. And that, that, that's why it connects, I think, with so many people for so many different reasons. Arash, thanks for your time. Uh, happy Easter. Have a good weekend. You too, Paul. Take care. That's Arash Madani, Coast to Coast for Smart Investing Solutions. We'll talk to a guy that broke into the SJHL his first year calling games the year that accident happened. Jamie Neugebauer from the Notre Dame Hounds. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Riley Chanel slides it up top. Here's Bedard. Right side. Drive. Fires. Scores! All right. Let's take a moment to appreciate Connor Bedard and his 13 playoff points thus far. He has eight goals, five assists. And I don't want to say, you know, people are taking them for granted, but I just feel like it's not being talked about enough, you know? 
13 points thus far in four games. 13 points in four games. Connor Bedard, you are a clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, let's get to it. Pat's Hockey. Actually, I, I overshot the runway there. Jamie Nukavar will be on to talk after 4.30 about the Humboldt bus crash and what's going on in the SGTL playoffs that involve the Humboldt Broncos, oddly enough. All right, so... Speaking of playoffs, Pats twice had 3-1 leads, twice blew them on home ice, losing 4-3 each night, including last night. Goal by Jake Chason, not quite eight minutes into the game, ended it. Goal Drew Sim would like to have back. Here's Coach John Paddock. Sort of hard to, you know, put anything sort of concrete on it. I mean, I thought I thought we had a slow start and, until halfway through the second, and I thought we played pretty well. Uh, quite a bit of the rest of the game, you know, to get the lead. I think we've had some soft puck plays and so forth that allowed them to keep the puck in when we should have it out, and then that just sort of builds and builds and gives them some momentum. You know, I think for us, we've been telling them all along before the playoffs started that, you know, there's ups and downs, ebbs and flows, whatever words you want to put to it. Uh, within a game, and within a series, and it's magnified because it's a playoff series. I mean, you have them in the regular season, but you're in Red Deer one night, the next day you're in Calgary at 2 o'clock. You don't have really time to think about them or get the rest or, you know, clean up your game, sort of. So, you know, it's just it's playoff hockey. There's not much, much other way to describe it. It's a little bit different than regular season, or a lot different, maybe. I don't know. Road teams are winning every game. Do you play differently on the road than you do at home? No, and I, you know, in our regular season, our record, our road record was not too far off our home record, like a couple of games less than. So uh, I don't really have an explanation for it. I've always felt, I think I mentioned this the other night, the rink's a rink, and that was more because, you know, quite a few years ago it was more intimidating to go into some home rinks and at the NHL levels. Uh, some of them were like 15 feet shorter, and there, there was a, you know, you're trying to say that to make it emphasize that you got to go play no matter what. This is just sort of real, like a rink's a rink. And I think with the way the game's been played for the last quite a few years, now that you know you can you can come back more. You know, penalties and different things can come into effect. And it's hockey, hockey nowadays, and there's nothing wrong with it. Mix up the lines a bit tonight, but it seems like whatever you do, it's it's tough for the second and third lines to get something going. What's kind of the message for next game for them? Uh, we'll probably just go with the same as we finished with. I mean, uh, I mixed them up because I didn't think you know Connor's unit was getting it was getting it done, and uh, him and Howie have played together an awful lot, and you know strings is with them. So and back in. January, you know, when Samuel Remba's game took off, it was Whitehead, him and uh, Suzdalev went together third period in, in Calgary, and they were a factor in three of the four goals we scored to come back and win the game, and they played together a lot. So it's just going back to some combinations that have been together quite a bit this year. 
What about Stan's game? Last, I don't know, so maybe three weeks or so. It's really shown here in the playoffs. Yeah, his overall game has been outstanding, you know, especially in the playoffs. And it's not just the points he's, you know, racking up. It's more physical and just a little bit better defending, period. Plays for a couple more goals in front of the net, in front of the crease. Is that just comes down to winning the one-on-one -on -one battles in front of the net? Yeah, probably in position and getting the puck to the net. Like, you can't score the field. That's one thing that I don't feel that we've done, you know, is get the puck to, to the net from a bad angle or through a screen and, you know, the goalie has to make a save and then the puck's lying in somebody's feet and that's where they've done a better job than we have. We've been saying that all along. I don't feel we've got the puck to the net. I don't think we've, you know, you don't want to miss the net or take shots from bad angles, but there's a time when you have enough time just to concentrate on getting it there, getting it in the goaltender's feet or making him make a kick save. And, you know, I think for a long time now, all coaches, you know, say a lot seriously and a little bit jokingly, the pads of the goaltender pass the puck better than any player on your team. And they do. If you hit it right, you know, if the right side hits the left, the right goalie's right pad, and it comes out this way. We practice it. Every team, I think, practices it because that's just how the goalies play the game now and how hockey's played this we're going to talk about the fifth anniversary of the Humboldt uh, bus crash that took 16 lives. Coming up here with Jamie Neugebauer, SJHL hockey expert, and Lisa Bowes, former sports announcer. She's going to join us. She's writing children's books that pertain to sports, like the latest one, Lucy Loves Baseball. It's all coming up next in the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 431 Sports Ticker Time for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. NHL tonight, an original six matchup in Boston. It's the Maple Leafs and Bruins. Washington Capitals pay a visit to the Bell Center in Montreal. Chicago, Vancouver, Carolina, Nashville, Kings, Golden Knights, Arizona on the West Coast in Seattle, and the Colorado Avalanche in the Shark Tank in San Jose. Blue Jays, 6-3 uh, winners rather this afternoon in Kansas City. Big win for them. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Well, Simon Fraser University's football team was going into its 58th season of existence, but the plug was pulled this week when their membership into the NCAA Division II Lone Star Conference was not renewed. Teresa Hansen, the athletic director, defended her school's decision to cancel the football program. She admitted that SFU could have simply remained in the LSC for the 2023 season and play a full schedule, but she believes doing so would have merely prolonged the inevitable. She also confirmed that the school didn't make a formal application to join U Sports, calling the process incredibly complex. She also went on to say that the decision is final. Well, the president of Football Canada, Jim Mullen, joined me, and he said he doesn't believe that to be the case. Well, I think that uh, Simon Fraser's administration didn't want football. Uh, they didn't want the cost associated with it. Uh, I think their athletic director um, has a history of not fully embracing uh, the sport. She ran a uh, 
court review at UBC a number of years ago that suggested the elimination of the football program. There was significant pushback from uh, the alumni at the time that saved the football program. I suspect SFU football alumni to do very much of the same thing, and I think we're in for a a, uh, roller coaster of another three to four weeks on this piece. I don't think SFU football is done yet. And the CFL Report is brought to you by our good friends at Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Coppell. Check them out at kevinsmarine.com. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage for the Canadian uh, Brew House. Now, just hold on one second here. I got to give these guys their just due. They paid some hard earned money to be a part of this show. Not only do they sponsor our Pat Chat segment, they're a Thursday sponsor of the big show. And we're going to tell you over there at the Canadian Brew House Simply Spiked Lemonade is new to the CBH with four bold. Full-flavored, fizzy choices to enjoy. You get other drinks there, too, if you want, but uh, that's the one we're highlighting today. I like fizzy choices. I want one of those. Fizzy choices sounds good to me. Can you get the non-alcoholic fizzy choice? Because Zingered like that. I hope so. Pops. 0.0, pop. baby. Pops good. Oh, yeah. I love pop. You love yourself some CBH, mm, don't soda. you? I love soda. Okay, let's get to the... Yes, you do. Mm, soda. Soda. You're like, uh, you're like the damn Americans. You call them candy bars, too, or chocolate bars? I call them pop, okay? okay get hop off. Let... <laughs> <laughs> you don't like getting bugged. Let's go out on the. Uh, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Speak with our friend Jamie Nugabauer, SJHL hockey expert from the Notre Dame Hounds. Um, I don't know where to start. Like I want to start with the with what we're all honoring today, but also there was some hockey, and it kind of ties in to what I want to talk about. I find it interesting. And I'm a spiritual guy, so I think if you want to think them as hockey gods or just God, I think there was something in the air last night. Humboldt in the Whitney Forum forces a game number five by beating the Flin Flon Bombers. And if you rewind five years, Humboldt was... Uh, down 3-1 to the Nipwin Hawks, and they were on their way to Nipwin to force a game six when that bus crash happened. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, uh, I want to mention quickly, Canadian Brewhouse, I love it uh, because uh, I'm a yeah, person, I gluten-free, they got so many gluten-free options. So first of all, I want to just quick shout out to Canadian Brewhouse. That's good. Second I, of all... I love it. Yeah, second of all... Um, yeah, it, it was it was uh, it, it was pretty crazy. I was thinking I did say to my wife, like you know, this, like, hold, hey Jamie, 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 hold on. You got a bad connection there. We're gonna have to get you out of your uh, out of your bunker there and try to recall you. So we're gonna call you right back, okay? I'm gonna get Zinger to call you right back, okay? Because uh, this is the guy that uh, agreed to uh, come on with me, and I've uh, reached out to uh, Darren McKechnie, who used to be the uh, coach of uh, Adam Harold, who was the young. Youngest uh, victim in that bus tragedy. He was a Regina Pat Canadians call up. Good kid. Loved that kid. Uh, played against my son in hockey, and uh, so same age. And Adam Harold's dad, Russ, obviously in the family, started a Adam Harold Legacy Fund, which has been going on, and that's great. One of the positives to come out of a terrible tragedy. Uh, you got the Logan Boule donating his organs, and we got the green shirt day tomorrow. Make sure you wear that, and make sure you know if you got a hockey stick, put it out on the porch tonight in honor of it. Okay, we're back with Jamie Nugubauer. Go ahead, Jamie. 
Yeah, sorry, sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, I was uh, saying to my wife that uh, yeah, they, it would just kind of be poetic if the humble Broncos found a way on April the fifth to to find a way to get back uh, into the series. And uh, certainly, you know, there's enough talent. There's plenty of talent, and uh, the Broncos have played really well this series. Like, it's not like the Bombers have blown them out of the water to to get to the three zero and. And the you know the Broncos put in the same performance and and won four one. So great point about the the hockey gods are just God, I guess, rewarding them. And and I expect it to be an emotional and, and intense crowd, uh, I guess, on Friday night at the Elgar Peterson Arena too. Because you know, obviously the Broncos uh, have said it numerous times they'll never play again on April the sixth. And uh, and fair enough. And anybody who's in the Saskatchewan hockey community gets hit on that day and I'm not sure about lots of people around who are everywhere but I agree with you I think it was poetic great that the Broncos at the Whitney uh, last night to stay alive yeah uh, Jamie Neugebauer joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline uh, what do you remember about that day it was um it was your first year in the league I know where I was I was uh, on the I was on the phone with then the host of the Sports Cage, Rod Peterson, and we were talking about uh, the Rough Rider offseason, and I think a Ram dinner was coming up again. It's that time of year, and then all of a sudden this came across, and the first thing you thought of was, first of all, it wasn't uh, reported like it was uh, like it was an accident, but we didn't know the ramifications, but immediately I thought of the Swift Current Broncos bus crash in 1986 that killed four people, and then we realized it would be much worse than that in terms of the uh, number of fatalities uh, and you just couldn't, I mean that was it you you were done basically talking about anything else and rightfully so. What do you remember about that day? Yeah, I had uh, gone to a, a little house concert thing that a friend of mine had put on and so I actually wasn't paying attention to my phone but then I got home that evening around 9, maybe 10pm and uh, the crash had happened 3-4 hours earlier and my phone had just had like 140 messages of people from all over the hockey world that I knew asking me if I heard, heard anything and, uh, you know, hearing from the coach of the Junior A-Hounds just being like, could you, you know, help me try to reach out to our guys and see how they're doing and just people trying to get any kind of, you know, scrap of information because I think, uh, you know, they did a great job kind of in every respect, uh, you know, trying to take care of those young men. But, uh, you know, information that you're right was, was not uh, easy to find right away. And fair enough, privacy and, and being accurate uh, as much as possible uh, was a big thing. You, you know, I know, you know, the one thing that, that kind of was shocking to me was, I guess, when they got one of the players wrong, uh, you know, who had passed and one was alive, but that kind of thing, you know, happens in these types of cases. But, yeah, I know it, it obviously, you know, kind of hit me like a, a ton of bricks when I got home and looked at my phone and I just sat staring at my phone and texting and messaging and looking at social media and refreshing Twitter as much as I possibly could and, and you know, reaching out and tried to, you know, tried to reach out to, to Tyler Beaver. Like we all obviously as broadcasters in the league, you guys know this, you know, it's such a tight fraternity, right? I know lots of people talk about the players and absolutely totally fair enough. And Darcy Hogan and his staff, of course, fair enough. And Dana Bronze, but also, you know, we're, we're broadcasters. And so whenever you feel, you know, things like this, something like this happens, you know, it also hits home. So, you know, obviously there was, there was no response and there never, never was. And that's, you know, really, really sad, obviously, but, uh, 
Yeah, you know what I always like to say to, to people too when I write in my own column that I, that I write weekly on the SJHL and uh, in different avenues is, uh, you know, there's it's absolutely good to grieve and mourn the loss of of, of this type of, a, of an event and, and these young men, but it's also important to to respond in a in a way to it. And um, you know, I think it, this type of an event reminds us. You know that it's it's always a good time to to find somebody and say that you love them and and to decide to forgive somebody that's wronged you and and to just try to be a, a better person and take uh, big steps because you know those men didn't have that and, um, you know kind of the the biggest way that I think we can honor them is to try to be our best selves and I know that the the survivors too would would say the same thing you know, the things that Caleb Dahlgren you know has done uh, in in response and. Ryan Strasnitsky and Jacob Wasserman and the list goes on of these these real heroes, right? Like not just hockey players that are that, that survived, you know, after the crash too. And we're for those we lost, but we also have to celebrate ones that, that we still have. Yeah, that's well put, man. Your your phone's breaking up. I wanted to I wanted to squeeze one more in here be, before we uh, let you go. I, I don't think we can say enough about Scott Barney. I think he came on right after that and. Uh, you know, took over that program and, uh, you know, has done a really good job with that team. I mean, there's a lot more than just Scott Barney, but he's done a great job there in Humboldt. Absolutely. Like, there's uh, there's no question. You hit it right on the head. You know, Scott came into uh, a situation that was almost double difficult because, uh, you know, they, they hired uh, Nathan Oistrich right after the crash and it didn't maybe work out as as they had hoped with Nathan and and you know then you, you move on and there was no excuse from no excuses from Scott and he just puts his head down and works and he puts in uh, you know a ton of work for that organization he wears it on his sleeve and you know he's put together just a culture and a, a, a cycle of winning and a cycle of committing kids to the next level that I know Darcy you know Hagen and his staff would be extremely proud of and um, you know certainly you know as we hit five years uh, you know, obviously, Flynn Fawn and Battleford's also deserving, but you know, it, it would be in some ways nice to see the Broncos, you know, find a way to to hoist that championship, you know, under uh, Scott's tenure, whether it's this year, whether it's you know, whenever whenever it is. But uh, um, you know, certainly, you're absolutely right. He he's done a great job in that in that same mold in terms of you know wanting his kids, his players, to be great people first and and great hockey players second, and he certainly achieved that. Thank you very much for your time, Jamie. Always appreciate it. you put it really uh, nicely there. Like I said, I reached out to a bunch of people. I reached out to Adam Harold's dad. He obviously didn't want to talk, but I did my due diligence. Darren McKechnie coached Adam Harold. He was kind of uh, hesitant to do it, and uh, rightfully so. And Ryan McNally, who worked with us here, he was uh, friends with Tyler Bieber. He worked with him over there in Humboldt, and he uh, politely declined. So I thank you for stepping up and uh, reflecting on uh, you know from your perspective and the league's perspective on this. Thanks for your time. Have yourself a good Easter weekend, okay? Yeah, anytime. Happy Easter. And again, I'm really sorry for the connection issues. <laughs> oh, no problem, man. That's fine. That's it. We just talked about a terrible tragedy. That's a first world problem. And he even gave a good plug to our sponsor, the Canadian Brew House. Hey, I've always um I've always respected this next guest's work from afar. She's a Canadian sports media personality. Lisa Bose will join us next here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Easter long weekend. The weather's supposed to turn too, so maybe we can get to feeling a little bit like golf and baseball instead of just watching it on TV. The show's brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. 
All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at the Western Pizza. I said earlier, uh, I have from afar respected this next guest's work. Uh, Lisa Bowes, Canadian sports media personality. My first time talking to her in any forum. Uh, thanks for joining the show. I appreciate it. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Michael. Great to be back in the sports cage. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So I got to ask you a question. Do you still follow NHL hockey closely? I got to do this Keniston Super Draft. If, if, if my producer Zinger and I win, we win money and we give it to charity. So there's lots on the line here. Like, I usually go picking the final four, like, you know, the last four teams so east and west. Do you follow enough to help me out on this? Like, who do you think the final four oh. teams are going to be? Man, I, I, I wish I could say that I could give you the final four. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of perplexed as to what's going on with the Flames. <laughs> you know what? The way right? it's go- the way it's going, Lisa, we could have a battle of Alberta in the playoffs. You know that in round one, we could. If Edmonton wins I out know. and Calgary gets in, we could have it. Which we which we all love to see, right? We love that, and I think that that rivalry has def- definitely been. Uh, how should we say it's been? Uh, uh, well, it, it's like how it's like back in the old days mm-hmm. when that was a thing, right? And mm-hmm. when I covered the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, I didn't get too many playoff rounds. And then I came to Calgary in the mid late nineties, and I didn't get too many playoff rounds. <laughs> so yeah. it's nice for the city if there's that possibility. But I, I just can't get over what's been going on. I mean, they were so far out of it, and then they win in Winnipeg, and here we go, right? It's coming down to that final final few. Well, final few games, five games left, I believe. And yeah. they got an easier schedule than Winnipeg. However, they don't play good against the uh, supposed inferior opponents. They lose to Chicago and beat Winnipeg. So that's going to be interesting. Lisa, before we get to your uh, to the Lisa Bose, the author, which is cool, uh, favorite, <laughs> favorite sports memory off the top of your head, what's your one? If you could go back and be in one moment as a reporter or a desker, what would it be? Oh, man, I'm going to, since we just talked about the NHL playoffs, I'm going to go back to when I actually covered the Western Conference Final. It was uh, involving uh, Detroit and Chicago, and we were going back and forth between those two cities. And I remember the Patrick Waugh, Jeremy Roenick uh, uh, clips that we had when he was talking about, you know, the Stanley Cup. He couldn't hear Ronick because the Sally, you know, he, he couldn't hear. Mm-hmm. He was the Colorado, sorry, yeah. pardon me, Colorado. Detroit, I yeah. There were so many series, but it was Detroit, Colorado. And and I loved hearing uh, Patrick Waugh and all of those uh, sound bites that he gave during that series. So I guess we're talking, gosh, I'm going to say 96, I think. It's, it's so many years ago, but since we're talking playoffs, I just love covering that series. It was just brilliant. And then before that, Ronick with a lot of his sound bites with Chicago. So it's just brilliant times. You got these children's books now. Lucy loves going in, you know, uh, appealing to kids and and you know, you know, portraying the love of sports. Lucy tries basketball. Now it's Lucy tries baseball. It's coming out here. Tell me about it. Well, you know, the baseball story is book six in this series, Michael, and it's really this is all about encouraging our little ones to be active, number one, and to realize the benefits of sport and to get to that point through reading. So as they're learning to read, Lucy and her friends, her diverse set of friends, are encouraging them to be active and to persevere. That's why Lucy Tries is so important in the title. We need to get our little ones, and all of us, really, we have to persevere, and we learned that lesson, didn't we, as we went through this pandemic about the value of persevering. 
So the series is really close to my heart. It's uh, I'm coming full circle on my physical education degree. Before I got into sports media, I was uh, really interested in, in obviously that physical activity piece. And so I'm coming full circle back to that. And I really trying to make a difference in our declining physical activity rates with our kids. So the baseball book uh, is really reinforcing all the principles of healthy child development. All of our books are. And this is what we know kids need in order to stay in sport. So I've had incredible, incredible support on baseball, not only from book reviewers like Kirkus out of New York City, but, I mean, Justin Morneau, you can't get much better than that with, you know, one of the all-time Canadian greats, uh, former American League MVP, and he just uh, supported the book, as did uh, Dan Schulman, the play-by-play voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, um, Adnan Burke from MLB Network. Uh, So it's just been, and Chris Rietzma, actually, uh, you know, a major leaguer out of Calgary, who also threw their support behind this. So uh, that means a lot to us because we're really trying to engage kids and tell them about how great the game of baseball is and it's something that they could try and that goes for boys and girls. So like this is the sixth book. You talked about your physical education background. What what really got you to, to do this? Like was there a moment? Was there something <laughs> you saw? What got you to do it? Well, I, it's a great question, Michael. It's, it all goes back to me, actually when I covered women's hockey at the Olympic Games in Vancouver. So that's now 13 years ago. And at the time, my young daughter was, you know, learning to read by, um, by me reading to her, just as, as all parents are doing when they're really young. And I thought, I don't see many books in the marketplace that are about different types of sport and something that we could use as a tool, as a resource to also educate about different types of sport. So actually books one and two, I was in this Olympic mindset covering uh, uh, women's hockey at the Olympics, and I thought, let's come out of the gate with something really unique. So Lucy and her friends actually tried luge and short track speed skating. Those are books one and cool. two, and then we got into the more mainstream sports. So it began as an education piece, but now we're really seeing the value of these books with encouraging and inspiring kids to maybe say to their parent, hey, I just read this book about trying soccer. Mom, Dad, could I try that too? And so we're, uh, it's an action item, Michael, trying to get the kids, and especially coming out of COVID, less than uh, 5% of Canadian kids right now, age 5 to 11, are reaching their recommended movement guidelines. That's shocking. That is, it's heartbreaking to me. Uh, so 95% of them are not moving like they should be, and we've got to make a change. And that's what our Lucy Tries books are trying to do is to is to help solve that that pending children's health crisis. So Lucy Tries Baseball is about to drop. When does it drop? And for the Sports Cage shareholders, as I like to call our listeners, where can they where can they get the book? Well, the book is going to drop quite nicely. We love the timing on this. Uh, on actually the. Uh, season opener for the Toronto Blue Jays. So next Tuesday, April 11th, they're at home. They're going to debut that, you know, newly renovated Rogers Center. And Lucy is, uh, she's at the plate, <laughs> ready That's to nice. take her first swings uh, for Lucy Tries Baseball. Also available in French and Spanish, simultaneously published in three languages. And to all of your listeners, uh, and you can find these books anywhere books are sold. Uh, so we encourage you to go to your independent bookstore, but you can find them in Indigo, Amazon, and also directly to LucyTriesSports.com if you want to go direct to the publisher. Well, I'm going to uh, snag that uh, book, give it a recommendation here, and uh, yeah, uh, continue to enjoy Lisa Bowe's work. Only now, as an author, I really appreciate your time. 
Oh, thanks so much, Michael. I really appreciate it. And uh, hi to everybody in Saskatchewan. We've got warm weather here in Alberta, so I hope it's heading your way. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, apparently. But warm weather's a rumor right now, just like a Calgary Flames playoff run. <laughs> I love it. Well done. Well done, my friend. An excellent close. Excellent. <laughs> See you later. Take care. That's Lisa Bowes joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Plenty to come on the sports cage, including Glenn Suter. And we're also going to talk to Luke Mullender. That and much, much more here on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Show is brought to you by our great friends over there at the Canadian Brew House. Simply Spiked Lemonade is new to the CBH with four bold, full flavored, fizzy choices to enjoy. Watch all the sports Augusta, they got the Masters, they got probably World Men's Curling. You know, they got NHL hockey, they got NBA basketball, and Major League Baseball. Sports Cage. You ever notice the Canadian Brew House? It sounds like someone's burping. <laughs> it does, kind of, but it's not me. It sounds like someone's burping. I don't in that even splitter. know. Like you know, people. Goes, you know, people can make themselves burp. Yeah. I can't do that. Can you? Can you blow bubbles? I don't know how to blow gum I, bubbles I can either. Burp. Want me to burp? Yeah. <clears throat> I can't do that, and, and I can't blow bubbles. Can you whistle? I uh, see this gap. Yeah. Well, I got a gap tooth. I can whistle through that. I can't. I can't. Yeah, but can you blow out whistle? I no, can't I blow out whistle. I got a suck in whistle. Yeah. Anyways, let's go to the... This yeah. is riveting radio. Even more riveting radio, John Hodge joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline from Three Down Nation. Hodge, can you burp? I don't command, I'm afraid. What's that? Say that again? I, I can burp, but not on command, I'm afraid. Okay, can you whistle? And are you a blowout whistler or a suck-in whistler? I, I, I guess you could call me an ambi-whistler. I can whistle either way. Wow, you can whistle from both sides of the plate. That's awesome. A switch whistler. I love it. I, I love it. I love it. He blows out on Thursdays and sucks in on Fridays. <laughs> that went off the rails. Haji, talk about off the rails. That's embarrassing what's happening at SFU. I read your the great article at Three Down Nation. We're going to have Glenn Suter, one of the alumni, on again to, to talk about it because he was on a conference call. He's on the alumni executive board here. They're really fighting hard. What's the latest that you know of? Well, I, I spoke to the team or the, the school's athletic director last night. Teresa Hansen and I chatted and, and she essentially reiterated what was in the press release. However, and and for those who maybe don't have the backstory, essentially Simon Fraser was in need of a new place to play in NCAA Division Two for the 2022 season. They went to the Lone Star Conference, which is located in the southwestern United States. Uh, one challenge SFU has is that every year there seems to be fewer and fewer Western NCAA two teams. I believe they're one of three NCAA Division II programs west of Colorado, so not a lot of options. And the Lone Star in February decided not to renew their membership past 2023. Now, Ms. Hansen did acknowledge and admit that the team could simply have played in the Lone Star this year, but she felt as though that would just be prolonging the inevitable and that student-athletes would be without an option for 2024, and, and they felt like they wanted to get out ahead of it. Now, it's worth noting that, first of all, it's already late in the recruiting year. I've talked to some youth sports sources who have indicated that, you know, this time of year, about 90%, that's 90% percent 
of scholarships are usually accounted for. And also, student-athletes are going through their... They're writing finals right now. Like There are, there are SFU players who, you know, they're, they're cramming for their exams and simultaneously learning, oh, by the way, your football program no longer exists. So clearly Simon Fraser has put their student-athletes in a very difficult situation as much as Miss Hansen feels as though this was a necessary step. Yeah, you're very polite, John. She doesn't care about her athletes. Their organization doesn't care about their athletes. I just saw a tweet from Farhan Lalji, an SFU grad, uh, obviously, uh, like Glenn Suter, trying to fight to keep the program alive. And apparently, the decision was made two weeks before the players were informed on April the 4th. That is an absolute joke. That's an absolute disrespect of the players. And apparently, uh, they did nothing more than just do some co- a tire kicking on Can West and decided that they weren't going to continue. And also, they could have played. Like, what? Is, what is that? They could have played in twenty twenty three. Like you, you made this. Like you alluded to, you made this decision late. At least, at least, you know what? Since you were so ridiculously short sighted and made this decision late, at least let the guys play it out for one year. Well, and I, I think the the real reason, and this is me connecting dots and, and doing some informed speculation, I think the reason they didn't want to announce 2023 as the final season is because, of course, they would have lost some of their best players to the transfer portal. And let's remember, Ballsy, this is a team that won one game last year. And if you won one game last year with your team intact, there's probably a good chance you're going to win zero if you lose your top recruit. So I think that's probably the real reason why they didn't want to announce it as being the last year. But that said, Ms. Hansen also admitted that they did not formally apply to join U Sports for 2024. She described the process of, of applying as very complex. Now, one might argue that the job of an athletic director is the ability to do very complex paperwork. However, she felt as though it was, it, was, it was complex and wasn't worth doing without any assurance that SFU would be permitted to join U-Sports. After all, U-Sports, in its bylaws, does not allow for particular schools to join, uh, let's, let's call them multiple governing bodies. In other words, they don't allow on paper schools to have some sports in the NCAA and some sports represented in U-Sports. That said... Would U Sports, would Can West make an exception for that? I've spoken to U Sports. They wouldn't speculate to that. All they would say is confirm that SFU did not formally apply to join U Sports. And again, for those who might not have the background, SFU did play in U Sports from 2002 to 2009 before going back to the NCAA Division II in 2010. So I, I think it's fair to question the legitimacy of SFU's claims that, that they've turned over every stone yeah. to keep this program yeah. up and running. You're I think way, that's, that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, you're way more professional than me. She's lazy. They're lazy. They didn't want to do the work. Uh, they're all so frugal. They're pro- it was a plan all along to get rid of the football team, and it's staring everybody right in the face. It's an absolute embarrassment. I will say, and my word's not yours, John Hodge, but I will say this, man. Um you're a Canadian like me. You support Canadian football like me. Okay, I know that. Do great work over there. What you just described, you know, 
Well, it, and I'm not cutting you down. It's it's what you're explaining. Well, there's you know around west of Colorado, there's not a lot of competition, and they got to go down to the, the the very southwest. No, they don't. No, they don't. They could play in Can West. We're chasing America all the time in this damn country. You don't need to. You got. I'll tell you the right now. In a lot of cases. You sports football has evolved to the point where it's better than most of the crap you'll see at D2. And nobody can tell me otherwise. So that's embarrassing, too. Well, and we have a pretty recent comparison to back that up when UBC and Simon Fraser played the first edition of the Shrumble, a a formerly annual rivalry game between the two BC-based schools. They played it for the first time since 2010. UBC even playing American rules, right? We're talking about uh, a UBC team that had only ever played three down Canadian football, suddenly having to shift to to 11 man ball, four, four down ball. They beat Simon Fraser this past year. It was a close game, 18 17, I believe, was the final score. But I think UBC had something like 12 sacks in that game. So, you know, if, if you want to compare, you know, D2 to U Sports. I mean, it, it's not necessarily a, a large, comprehensive sample size, but at least in the sample size of SFU versus UBC, I would I would think it's a perfectly reasonable assertion to make that UBC is the better team right now. Now, my question to you, John Hodge, who covers all football, U Sports, Junior to some extent, uh, Simon Fraser till recently, is this speaking to a bigger problem? Like, do you do you think uh, more? More, here's what I think, and tell me if you agree. I look at the you know coaching staff, for instance, the Rams, the U of S, the athletes, their training, what they do. They put in an effort. They really do. Dogs breakfast, Rams. They're you know the Rams have their dinner, fifty fifty. They're trying their best. But I find that at the top of the university food chain now across Canada there is not really that much of an appetite for sports they barely treat it better than intramural sports and it's the one thing i don't get because football people don't go to school to get professional uh, contracts okay they're there to go to school especially in Canada more specifically but the football programs put the universities more than any other sport on the map for the most part. I don't understand. There's such a disconnect between the top of the university and the players and coaches that take part in these sports. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to athletics as a whole. I I know some of the conversations I've had uh, on and off the record since this news broke with some of our stakeholders and leaders in football in this country is as, as much as this SFU news is distressful, and we should know that as much as Simon Fraser's AD told me yesterday that this is final, she's aware that there is a petition out there. I asked point blank. I said, if the petition got a million signatures, would it change anything? And she said, absolutely not. So that's in her mind. That's how final this is. However, there are people on the opposite side who believe that they could potentially get this decision reversed. There's talk of filing an injunction. I know that there are emergency meetings taking place. I will say this. I think this, as much as in the short term, is a problem. I think long term, this could potentially be a wake-up call that we need in this country with our leaders in this sport to to almost put, to put forth a rallying cry and saying, hey, look, 
we have all been playing in our own little sandboxes for too long. It's time for amateur football, flag football, high school football, youth sports, CJFL, the CFL, all three down Canadian football across the board to get into a room, put their egos aside, and develop a long-term strategy for success. Because I think sometimes the egos get in the way. I think sometimes communication breaks down. And I think that, um, it, it, you know, regardless of what happens with SFU, the number one most important thing is saying, okay, how do we not only prevent a slippery slope situation where this affects other programs, but how do we actually get stronger and get better? Because the only way they're going to accomplish that is by working together, not working separately. Always love your work. You bring a professional side to it. When I'm like, I like to say a little rough around the edges, John Hodge. <laughs> they, 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 thanks for your time. You got all weekend to practice your whistling. I'll, I'll practice blowing out. You practice sucking in, okay? Sounds good, Baldy. Take care. He's like, I'm never coming on with that clown again. Uh, when we come back, Daniela Ponticelli joins us from the World Women's Hockey Championship. It's a sports cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Thursday show brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. Mike says... Hey, Ballsy, I was at the game last night, and I was frustrated that the Pats were playing dump and chase and not carrying the puck into the Saskatoon zone and not setting up for firing a shot on goal. When they carried the puck in last night, they scored three damn goals. The Pats weren't skating, coasting half the game. They just can't rely on Bedard to score. The whole team, or more than one line, has to score. Interesting. Pats had 26 shots, Zinger, and I think... Bedard and Sposal had 15 shots of those 26. Yeah, crazy man. I like what the I like what Paddock did. They put a good old Stringer Howe. and Howe together. Yeah, yeah to start Howe got the his first period. goal. Uh, Pats aren't done yet. Pats aren't. People are worried about it. I don't it's, know. I think it's done. I really do. Unfortunately, shut your mic off. Yeah. Let's go to the phone line here. The Pont, the Pont the Ponticelli Road Show is rolling into Brampton, Ontario. She's over here. She's over here. She's over here. Now she's in Brampton, Ontario, for the World Women's Hockey Championship. How are you, sister? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. So uh, Canada opened up with a preliminary four nothing win over Switzerland. I know you just rolled into town now. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do they got on the card next? If I'm, I, I didn't check that out. I've got so much sports on my good. brain here. All good. They've got. They have Czechia next. That's tomorrow night. It'll be seven Eastern, so five o'clock in South. It's going to be a good game. Now I'm asking you this question. You don't probably have the answer, but maybe you do because you have an answer to a lot of things. Why would when I watch curling, do they call it the Czech Republic? But when I watch hockey, they call it Czechia. I don't understand. That's one thing I can't wrap my brain around. That's a great question. I I don't actually know why not. All I know is that Czechia is the name that, of course, is now preferred. Mm. So yeah. I guess the, for the women's game, they've, they've adopted that. And then perhaps in the hockey world, they've adopted that. That's a great question. Great question to ask curling folks because I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> maybe, they, maybe they don't want to change those curling folks. How excited yeah. are how excited are you for this opportunity? It, it's huge. It's been really it's been a whirlwind few weeks, partly off uh, off the back of calling some of the, the great uh, hockey for U Sports, the women's championship uh there um a couple of weeks ago in Montreal and then this this opportunity arose and so first game will be uh early 
Saturday morning uh, for folks in Saskatchewan, anyhow, Sweden taking on Hungary, who's actually right now playing their first game of the tournament against France. But that's going to be a good one. And it's just going to be great because they're going to be teams as well that are very closely matched. You know, like we, there was one big blowout already. That was the very first game of the tournament. France taking on Finland and Finland won that 14-1. They've never scored that many goals at a world championship, I think, since 91 or something like that. So it's one of those things where we're seeing, you know, closer games, closer games. That's what you want as, as the tournament progresses. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, it's Canada. It's the U.S. What, what, what's, mm-hmm. the, what's the third team there? Like, where, what would be a challenger besides those two? Well, Czechia is up there. They've really made a name for themselves. That's why that game tomorrow is going to be very interesting to see how how that shapes up. Uh, Switzerland, of course, is also part of Group A, which Canada is in, and they they got trumped 4-0 yesterday against Canada. Uh, U.S. obviously in the mix, and Japan as well rounding out Group a. So it'll be really interesting to see where uh, you know where the Swiss and and the the J- Japanese players and and where Czechia comes. But Czechia is the the third the third one in there. Which one do you prefer to call hockey or football? Like I I just did the Pats <laughs> I just did the Pats game uh, two games in a row, and I got into this business being a hockey guy first with Estevan yeah. and then whatever a uh, little bit of Regina Pats called the Memorial Cup here back in two thousand and one when Rod got. Uh, laryngitis or whatever um it's a lot faster man hockey's a lot faster than football you got to know all the names because by the time you look at your sheet the puck has changed two or three times now granted you're on tv but still yeah 100 percent, michael but what i love about it though too is that you do get to know everybody's names pretty quickly because they're all you know they're getting their hands on on it or they're getting their sticks on it anyhow every play and it's just so fun and but I love it both. It's just, as you know, it's a whole different experience, right? When you settle in for a football game, and especially the kind of prep that you put in for all your work, Michael, it's you, it, it's that whole it's it's the whole week or the whole month sometimes, depending on how big the game is. And then for for hockey, it has a bit of a different feel to it because you're moving so quickly and in a tournament. It's also so different, right? Because you're constantly having to keep up to date with the with the storylines, and the storyline is the tournament itself. Mm-hmm. Once it gets going, and, and how teams are doing, so I would say I, I love it both. But hockey is always going to be special to me because it's kind of where I really got my my feet wet in, in mainstream sports, and I I love the women's game a lot. I've, I've spent a lot of time around it, and there's just such a great sense of community, and that's what we're seeing already in Brampton. Even though I just got here, I've been obviously watching the tournament and seeing you know there's such great community support some of the schools by the way getting mm-hmm. a day off to come out here and support teams and i'm like that's what it's about right getting kids out in front of the game watching it supporting it showing a global community and this is the first time the gta has hosted in a very long time so uh, it is a big deal to, to have women's hockey here and at such a high level. Well, a celebration of women's hockey on the international stage and our own Daniela Ponticelli behind the mic. I'll be uh, paying attention to it. Uh, good luck and uh, have yourself a great uh, week, okay? Thanks so much, Michael. Thanks. Daniela Ponticelli, who's the pre- and post-game show host on the Rough Rider broadcast. Coming up, we're going to hear from Glenn Suter and Luke Molitor. It's like Macho Man Savage and Hulk Hogan joining forces, the mega powers, and I'm Mean Gene Okerlund. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here we go with the sports ticker. It's 5.30 for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors. 
the garage door specialist. Sorry, I like doing that. Yeah, NHL tonight, an original six matchup in Boston. It's the Maple Leafs and Bruins. Washington Capitals, they pay a visit to the Bell Center in Montreal to take on uh, the Canadiens. Montreal, Chicago, Vancouver, Carolina, Nashville, Kings, Golden Knights, Arizona on the West Coast, and Seattle and the Colorado Avalanche in the Shark Tank in San Jose. Blue Jays, 6-3 winners this afternoon in Kansas City. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. Well, the last three games in the Pats Blade series have gone to overtime. And in the last two games, the Blades rallied from 3-1 down in the third and beat the Pats 4-3 in overtime. The latest game saw Jake Chase on get the game winner about eight minutes into the extra period. Pats defenseman Leighton Feist admits they got a little too comfortable at home. Yeah, I thought we had a really good start. We came into their building and were way more aggressive than them and bullied them and they got frustrated and that helped us get the lead and then I think we got a little bit too relaxed when we came 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 back home and then yeah we got the lead twice and then thought it was going to be easy and then it ended up getting getting a couple and I'd like to build off that Layton I'm not sure if you knew this you probably did but the Saskatoon Blades have not led after a single period throughout this series and the series is tied up at two you guys have played with the lead a little bit different than what we saw in the regular season you guys were having to come back and trail throughout most games how nice has it been I know the series is tied up at two but it is a long series we've talked about about that so much how nice has it been to play with the lead for the majority of this series yeah it's been really good to play with the lead it's it's it helps you calm down a little bit, but I think we've gotten a little too calm, and <laughs> and uh, it's cost us twice in our home. <laughs> yeah, and, and just as you mentioned that, that brings me to the question I was going to ask, and I asked Brad the same question. Obviously, their comeback ability, you've seen it, is, is pretty good uh, from that side of things. What do you guys do to combat that if you find yourself up by a goal or two when you're back in Saskatoon Friday night? We just got to keep the energy, keep keep talking to each other, keep keep encouraging each other, and then just we got to really bear down and stick to our systems and just keep it simple and get the puck in. Leighton, how tough is it to play against a Saskatoon team that has that much depth and can just keep coming at you with waves of, four, of, of lines that can create pressure and ultimately scoring opportunities like they do? Yeah, it's pretty tough. They have their top three lines are all really solid lines, so yeah. it's you really got to be on your toes all the time. Pat Chats brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Simply Spiked Lemonade is new to the CBH with four bold, full-flavored, fizzy choices to enjoy. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. I'm like the guy bringing Dana White and Vince McMahon together for a merger. We'll get to Glenn Suter in a second, but we got our color commentator in studio. Two of the great analysts in our country. Luke, let's start with you. Uh, we, uh, you know, we're going to talk sports and a little bit SFU, a little bit about the CFL, but uh, everything is trumped by the fifth anniversary of that tragedy in, um, in Humboldt as they were going uh, to play a game six. Uh, sorry, 
They were going for a game five in Nip went down three games to one, and I find it ironic. Uh, I'm a spiritual guy, but whether it's hockey gods or just God, Humboldt wins last night to force a game number uh, five uh, back in their barn, which will go down tomorrow, Good Friday. So it was a big win. They, they avoided the sweep, and now they get to come home in front of their fans tomorrow year with the Red Cross going on 10 years here. Uh, you know, just talk your perspective on it from the Red Cross because you guys helped out. It was a terrible, terrible time. Yeah, when the Canadian Red Cross, we got a call. We got the call when, when that initially happened and uh, this was this was five years ago, like you said. You know, we were still trying to figure out what our role was going to be mm-hmm. when it came to social emergencies and it became very apparent um, when we tried to support the people um, of Humboldt and anybody who was affected that our role was going to be whatever they needed it to be. So whether it was getting our volunteers to go down help with cleanup, getting our volunteers to just open up their homes for people, uh, Mm -hmm. responders to have some coffee. Um, I remember um, we were invited to take part in the uh, vigil Mm -hmm. at the the arena and the Canadian Red Cross role there was to move chairs around and to help clean up after. Right, And you want to stay out of the way in those situations because you want the focus to be on the people of Humboldt Um, and it just goes to show you know five years um, Saskatchewan resiliency you know we uh, you're never going to forget the athletes and the people and 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 you know everything that you lost but um, I feel like at the very least um, the hockey community in Saskatchewan was galvanized I felt like it brought people together. And, you know, I hope that the people that lost loved ones um, in that incident, um, I hope that they found strength and support since then. I don't think, I don't believe in the saying, time heals all wounds. I think you just learn, some wounds you just learn to adapt. Yeah, I think that, I think that, um, man, I know I didn't think of this, so trust me, it wasn't me who said this, but uh, I'm pretty sure someone a lot smarter than me said, uh, grief is is the final fo- um, final stage of love. Yeah. And, you know, that's that was a powerful statement, because, you know, like, it's why, you know, the people you love, that's why you grieve, you know what mm. I mean? And um, the grieving process still probably exists um, for many people. I know that I, I've seen some fantastic advocacy um, along the lines of everything from physical to mental health yeah. from a lot of people that were involved in, in Humboldt, so. Organ donation went up we got the green shirt day tomorrow and i'd encourage people the symbol was put your hockey stick on the porch remember remember to do that tonight well i was walking my idiot dogs today and i saw two hockey sticks outside uh in our neighborhood you want to use one of them on the dog (laughs) tell you what but no that's the it's it's um this is a hockey community obviously saskatchewan and you know i always tell you i i'm always amazed that whenever anyone wins the stanley cup just there's always someone from saskatchewan who brings that cup back Mm -hmm. here to this province and so um, I just, I just hope, and and you know, I hope that the people, however they've they've been able to move on, I hope they're moving on with with positive memories and positive vibes, um, or or anything that you can really yeah. you know bring with you in, yeah. a, in a situation like that. Yeah. All right, let's get to this, uh, uh, Sean. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's it's time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. 
Brought to you by Quality Tire. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. Nine locations in Saskatchewan, including one here. I was there this week to put some tires on the car. Thanks to Randy Johansson, Mark, and the gang out there. All right, uh, Glenn Suter, before we talk about uh, what's going on in the football world in BC, I, I thought I'd give you a minute to just talk about from your perspective on how the Humboldt thing touched you. Well, it... it, it it hit all of us, you know, I think across this country, everybody, uh, you know, that's ever been involved in, and even some that haven't uh, in sports, at, whether it's the amateur level or through the professional levels, um, you know, it, it hit everybody hard because, you know, it, you feel like it's our teammates, it's our kids, and, you know, that's, that's every time there's the anniversary, you put your stick outside just to keep that memory alive no matter how sort of separated you are from from the families and and just try to show your support that way i know it was difficult at the time to try and figure out how in the was the best way i know i donated uh money to the gofundme and all of that to try and and do whatever you can to help the families in what is an unthinkable just tragedy so yeah it's it's um they'll never be forgotten and um you know they're one of ours and and our thoughts are always with the families. Okay, uh, two other matters here, and I thought this was interesting. I got a text from my friend Luke Mullender who said, "Hey, are we talking? Are you talking SFU? I'd really like to. Are you going to have Glenn on or somebody?" This was a couple of days ago. He goes, "Because I really want to listen to this because it's a real interesting story." And in the football world, I think. We're kind of like, uh, you know, as Jim Mullen said yesterday, we're kind of like NATO. You attack one of us, you attack us all. So you're attacking football in Canada here, even though they were playing D2. Uh, I just had John Hodge on from Three Down Nation. He said he talked to the AD there. Is it Teresa Harris or Davis? And she said it doesn't matter if they get a million signatures on a petition. This is a final decision. I know you're close to this being an alumni. So uh, just your thoughts on those comments and on where we stand well i was on a uh, two-hour conference call last night and you know there's uh, a lot of um, active movement here to to try and and not only ensure that the young men up there and the and all the support staff and coaches can play this season and then beyond um whether that be in div two in the lone star conference down in texas or where they are right now and where they had a final year this season uh, that was already guaranteed and was part of their deal and contract with the NCAA. Um, and for some reason, Teresa Hansen, well, there really is no no justifiable reason here, in my opinion. There, This wasn't about money. They've stated that. This wasn't about a conference to play in because they had one this year. And this wasn't about um, youth sports shutting the door because I had a conversation with Jim Mullen today. Um, he has has been in meetings with the head of U Sports, and I can read a quote for you that, that is from U Sports in Canada West. It's saying, U Sports in Canada West leadership are open to an application from Simon Fraser for football. The leadership is willing to navigate through policy. Ultimately, it's up to the members to provide an exemption no one in leadership positions in youth sports wants to see one fewer team playing university football in Canada. That's the end of the quote. So 
So what is so what is it here then? What is it? You got a conference to play in. It's not money. Uh, Can West will allow you to navigate because the policy is they want if if football's playing, they want soccer, they want volleyball, they want all the varsity teams playing in Can West, not just one. But they're willing to work around it. So then, what the hell is it here? Well, that's the question. I don't. You know, this this clearly got to be some sort of personal agenda here and and that's why you know uh, we as an alumni committee are working hard we you know i have i have people reaching out from across this country i just got an email from scott mitchell of the hamilton tiger cats who who's basically said anything i can do to help the commissioner of the cfl is also uh weighed in and is is there to help so is amar doman who's been excellent yeah put out a video put out put out a video saying yeah yeah, for the BC Lions, and and we've got legal counsel to see if we can try and get uh, a temporary injunction here, so that the young men up there can can play this year. So, um, you know, this is uh, this is uh, is a fight basically, and I think it's bigger than just one program. It really is. It's something that we should all it's, we all have to stand up and 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 fight right now um, because we got to keep. We got to keep this the collegiate sports and amateur sports alive and well in this country. Yeah, no, absolutely, Luke. From your perspective, you went to MSU, grew up in Ontario, went to MSU though, Michigan State University. Um, but I just want here's because because as the story goes, apparently they made this decision two weeks before April fourth, just the other day when they told the athletes. So they they knew two weeks before that. <clears throat> And their excuse is, well, we're, we're we're trying to get ahead of this so that the athletes can go uh, get their next uh, opportunity, which is false because 90% of the scholarships in Canada and the U.S. are eaten up already. And these kids are right in finals. Just talk about it from a player's perspective and a and, recruiting perspective. And they had a place to play going into next season, yeah. right? So, so I'll say this. Um, I'm not an SFU grad. I'm not an alumni that play on a team. I feel sick for the uh, for for the alumni though. Um, I feel sick for the donors. I feel sick for the stakeholders because the this is an absolute failure when it comes to leadership. Um, the athletic director. I, I would I would be the I would be I wouldn't be signing a petition to get the team back. I would be signing a petition to get her removed. Um, and here's why: with with the impact that this is going to have on Canadian football, right? Because it's going to have a big impact. Huge. Right? I'm okay if you come to me and you give me a lot of time and you say, our, you know, our team is going to fold after this season. We have done every single thing possible that we can to try to save this program. Here's what we've done. What she did is she got on Three Down Nation and she said, yeah, there was something more we could have tried, but we didn't think it would work, so we didn't do it. As soon as you admit that, you admit that your leadership is has failed. The people that supported her and the people that supported this plan moving forward, they failed and they should also be removed. Um, and the reason is, is because this is too critical a junction. Like SFU, just for the people who know, you know, I'm a fundraiser. If I go to SFU's athletics page, do you know what the first picture pops up? The football team. Yeah. Right? There's, there's 7,000 alumni from SFU, 200 plus draft picks. Right, 143 like is, played in the CFL. This is this is 143 players that they they put in the CFL. This is an institution that has always been very unique, right? Uh, because they are the only Canadian institution that plays in D2, right? And yeah. and and they have other, but to just 
to just press that aside to not even try. And Glenn Suter is absolutely right. There is a personal agenda here of some type of nature because because if I get up there and I look people in the eyes because she's a fundraiser, an athletic director, she they she has, you know, she's got her, her fingers on everything. I, I can't look at the people that have that have given whether it's their time, their talent, or their finances in the eye and say I didn't. I, we didn't try everything we could because that's what she's saying, and it's and it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to even think that leadership and it, to to get that far to have the, to be that decision and to be that short sighted. These kids could have played next year. These kids could have played in the season, and yeah. they, you could have told them, "Look, guys, we're in a lot of trouble here." Yeah, you know, right now. We need you guys to understand that after this season, there might not be a football team, right? So, guys, we're going to spend all year fighting for you, okay? But you know from here, we're telling you now. Not, oh, yeah, we're just we're just not going to do it. Yeah, like, yeah. That's crazy, and I get it. You know what? Yeah, and, you know, the, the argument might be, oh, well, you know, if, if we did play, we would be throwing money in. It, it would be a bad investment just because we knew. No, 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 no. You fight. Football is about resiliency. Football is about, it's a game of inches. You literally scratch and claw your way to try to find a solution. And then if you go back to the team, if you go back to the coaches, you go back to the donors, the fans, the stakeholders, and say, look, we tried everything we could. We can't go. Then at least that's okay. But right now, right now, they didn't even try. Yeah. And, 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 And football... Football is about effort. Football is about resiliency. Everything that they represent, it's just a, a, a tremendous failure in your leadership. So disappointing. We are going to uh, let Glenn weigh in in a second, but we're late for a break. This Sorry. is... No, no, that's fine, man. You got to get... I love it. But we need a break because we have sponsors that are on this show. They, they actually like what we're doing here. It's the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. This Day in Sports History, brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. April 6, 1935. Here's a fun one. Harold Levitt of the Harlem Globetrotters sinks 499 consecutive underhand free throws, misses, and then sinks 371 more. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All right, continue our conversation with Glenn Suter and Luke Mulder. Press coverage for quality tire. Hey, Suits, before I get to you, Jim Mullen just tweeted this out, President of Football Canada. The silver lining in this, this is the most reassuring 72 hours I've had when it comes to usports.ca and Can West in a decade. The leadership cares and is ready to do their best for football in Canada. Okay, well, well Luke wants to weigh in in a second, but Glenn, let's get back to you. You wanted to kind of uh, touch on that quote you read earlier. Yeah, I, I read the quote, and I think I said that it was a quote coming from you, Sports. That quote was from Jim Mullen, the head of Football Canada, and he sent that to me today after meetings uh, with both, um, you know, Canada West and uh, officials and U Sport officials. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just want to make sure that I didn't misquote anybody. It, it came from Jim Mullen. Um, so my but, question you know, is this, Luke, Suits, my question is this, and you can piggyback. I wanted to ask his wife's on the top of my mind. So what's next? Yeah. What can you guys do? If they have closed-minded on that side, what can the alumni, what can people, what can you do, what can the football fan do to, to swing this around? Well, first of all, we need we need everybody that um, that has been ever associated with amateur sport or collegiate sport uh 
in this country to stand up right now and be counted and be heard. Um, we, you know, that that kind of of social and public pressure can can move the needle for sure. Um, we are, as I mentioned, as a as a alumni committee, we are are taking and have legal counsel to try and uh, execute. It's in the works right now to execute a temporary injunction. And if that happens, I'm not a lawyer, but I understand if if that happens and is read, um, then it'll be status quo for the year. And, the, and you know, there's two goals here. The first goal is to ensure a season for those young men, especially the seniors that have invested so much time, energy, heart and soul into the program and into that university for four years and to make sure that there's a season this year. So that's that's goal number one. And then the, the second and equally as important is to have this decision reversed, flat out reversed. So, it, you know, from legal action to public pressure, you know, and it, <laughs> Quite honest, quite honestly, I've heard rumors that and and um, discussions that not in committee meetings, but outside of those meetings, that um, this there's there's sort of a past precedent here with this uh, athletic director. And I thought Luke, you nailed it the way you basically described what's happened here because Teresa Hansen, the athletic director at SFU, has not put the student athlete first. There there is just no way and no justification for not only this decision, but the timing of this decision. Well, I'll be quite frank, Glenn. This is why when my son had an opportunity to play, you know, post-secondary football, he signed with the Calgary Dinos, and this wasn't anything against the Dinos. They have a great program there, and I love you sports football. You guys both know that. I do a podcast on it for six years. But... At the administrative level in universities, I think across this country, it's not, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but in a large chunk of them, they do not care about sports. The, the athletes do, the coaches do, maybe some athletic directors do, but a lot of them don't. They don't care anymore. They barely treat it better than intramural, Luke, and that's one of the main reasons why I sent my kid south, because if he's going to put in the effort, if athletes at SFU are going to put in the effort, and then you got a bozo that's too lazy to do anything and has an agenda, then i got a problem with that. As a parent, I'm pissed. Well, as a and as a as a fan of of, of the league, you know you, you have to understand like w- like we got Doug Brown and Glenn Suter from that school, right? Yeah. Like like that that's that's pretty impressive. Like that's there's a lot to be proud of. And I, but I will say this: Hall of Famers. When you when you when you, uh, when you mentioned Jim Mullen and he's saying, here's the problem. Here's the one thing I have. I really, really, really hope, and this isn't just an SFU thing. This is a U-sport thing. This is a Canadian football thing. I really, really hope that there are people that are galvanized and are ready to actually learn from this because we have so many stakeholders that care. Jim Mullen, I sat on the Football Canada board. Nobody cares more about the game of football and about the youth that play it than Jim Mullen. He has been a constant advocate for development, right? But he's also been waving the flag. Everybody's been waving these cautionary flags. You said it. You know, we talk about the resources that don't get put into the games. We talk about the emphasis that we don't put on coaching. We always talk about things that you sport. We're, we're reaching like around the world, too. This isn't just a football thing. We're seeing the expiry of some pretty important foundational things that historically the world has has really really has had and has has 
treated it as a luxury. Yeah. Right. We need to understand and we need to learn from this because there is a there there is there seems like there seems like there's a growing crowd that is starting to have more impact than they should and that crowd is is putting competitiveness right and is and is putting the 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 spirit of sport and trying to quiet that and mm-hmm. trying to take that off the map that's, that's what i'm going to say I, and we need to learn from this we need because this is this is something that should concern everybody that's well put uh glenn last word goes to you got about a minute and a half well just just two things um first of all you know the the number one uh, priority for an athletic director director at a at a university is to take care of the of the student athlete mm-hmm. that didn't happen here mm-hmm. so that's that's a that's a huge uh you know part of this story but i i will i'll leave it as a question you know how how much currency in the form of respect uh publicity popularity which is directly tied to enrollment has the football program given um sfu over the last 50 years Mm -hmm. i mean it it, and and luke you you touched on it that you know when you go to the website it's the football team and it's the athletics i mean sfu for the last 50 years has been well known for their kinesiology program and been well known as a as a great educational institution certainly but for their football team as well so you know that currency has been you know taken advantage of and spent big time by administration at sfu throughout the last 50 years plus and and now they're just without any effort like and 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 honestly uh, I can't talk about the details, but I can say I've seen the video where the announcement was made to the players, and there wasn't any effort. There was, uh, you know, misinformation. Um, But we're getting to the bottom of all of it. We're going to keep fighting, and I hope everybody signs that petition, and because it matters. And I and I hope everybody stands tall and 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 can back and maybe help us uh, reverse this decision. Where do we find that petition for the people listening? Do you know where we can find it easily? Yeah, do you have it on Twitter? Well, if you're following Yeah, if you follow if you're following me on Twitter, I have it there in in three or four different tweets. It's on SFU's or, or sorry, um, our alumni SFU alumni Twitter page. I can tweet it again and uh, maybe Michael, if yeah. you want to retweet it, or, or please however, do, yeah, can, please do, yeah, we'll do that for get sure. Get it out there, yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, man, uh, best of luck. Continue the fight uh, as a uh, Canadian Football Hall of Fame broadcaster, Plaza of Honor inductee, and as Luke pointed out, we got Doug Brown and Glenn Suter too. Dave Cutler's another one. There are so many uh, in currently Couture from there, uh, uh, Milanovic leader. A lot of great players coming from SFU. It's a blow not just to the CFL but Canadian football in general. Thanks for your time there, Luke. I, or uh, Glenn, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. And you, Luke, thanks for your time, All man. All right, brother. That's going to do, yeah, do it for the show. Happy Easter. And uh, put a hockey stick out on the porch. Uh, the fifth anniversary of that uh, terrible tragedy in Humboldt. Gone but not forgotten. We will talk to you guys in about a week and a half as I'm on holiday. Zinger will hold the fort down in my absence. Happy Easter, everybody. Talk to you later. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.